One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smashpod. Hello and welcome to Smashpod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. We will be delving deeply into Bond, tackling a different film each episode with an exciting guest by my side. Episode 17 allows us to pierce the lid, see, on a new cycle of Bond with faked deaths, real tanks, imaginary chairs and some knockers as we try and warm up the Cold War. Yes, it's Goldeneye. And my special guest this week is television presenter and DJ Alex Zane, who can be found on Twitter as Alex underscore Zane. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you for having me on this. I'm very excited to be here. It's very exciting to have you here. Goldeneye, then. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I did fight for this. I did. This is the one I want to talk about, because yeah. I just... I guess, just to let's put it as succinctly as possible, just so you know, my stance on Goldeneye, right from the very start, mm-hmm. is the fact that it's the best James Bond. Uh-huh. It's the joint best James Bond film ever. Mm-hmm. It's the, that's the other one being The Spy Love Me. Right. It's the joint best James Bond theme song ever. Mm-hmm. The other one, again, being The Spy Love Me. Nobody does it better, which is my other favourite. Yeah. And it's also spawned the greatest video game in all time, as well as all of that, it's got the best Bond girl. So there are so many bests about this movie. I yes. absolutely love it. And it's also the first Bond movie I saw at the cinema. Oh, really? Mm, yeah. So That's I was 16 when it came out, which gives you an idea of how old I am. And I just remember seeing it at the cinema and just being blown away. Because I guess to talk about Goldeneye, you at least have to reference the Dalton era. Yes. And I know people out there are like, no, Dalton wasn't that bad. Dalton was a really good incarnation of Bond. In many ways, Daniel Craig is like Dalton. Dalton was the worst Bond to me. I'm uh, I'm sorry. I'm guessing from that gasp you feel the opposite. He's my favourite. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's, yeah. let's do this. Yeah, Dalton for me was... My belief is that you have to have, you have to at least like, you want to have that license to kill and you want to enjoy going out there, killing people, slaying bad guys. And Timothy Dalton just looked for the entire of his tenure as Bond and tenure is the wrong word because what was it? Two movies? Two, yeah. He just looked like he would rather be anywhere else, like on, a, on an allotment somewhere, maybe like making cabbages. Making cabbages. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that's that. I, I, I love him as an actor. Don't get me wrong. I, this yeah. isn't. Uh, this isn't me saying Timothy Dalton is not a great actor. Uh-huh. I just. I really felt that 
as Bond, he he was wrong. Like you know, and in Goldeneye, they are, I mean, there was a six year hiatus between License to Kill and Goldeneye, and in mm-hmm. the first thirty seconds, two minutes of Goldeneye, they go just so you're clear. We're back. The first two lines out of Pierce Brosnan's mouth in Goldeneye are puns. Like, we, he appears upside down, A, ridiculous, when yeah. he's in the bathroom and the Russian soldier's reading the paper on the toilet, and he goes, sorry, I forgot to knock. And you're like, pun. And then he meets uh, Alex Revelian, and he goes, sorry, I'm late. I had to stop in the bathroom. And you're like, mm. two puns in yeah. five minutes, Bond is back. I don't know that Timothy Dalton ever cracked a pun, and even if he did, it didn't register as a pun because he hated being Bond so much. He did do puns, he just wasn't very good at them. Right, and that's, I mean, you need... That was his only weakness. <laughs> it wasn't his only weakness. His weaknesses were that they just made Bond too sensitive. Stop having a go at my favourite Bond. I'm sorry. Okay, tell me why he's your favourite and I'll tell you why I think you're wrong. Because he's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was just, he was very, very hard and very cool. I mean, the weird thing I find is that when they hired him, like he publicly said, look, I'm really not that interested in the role. I'm really mm. not interested in being Bond. And I'm just, it shocks me to have like Albert Broccoli hear someone going I really don't want to be Bond and going that's our guy <laughs> the guy who really doesn't want this role and I say that with, with full knowledge that Daniel Craig spends his entire life going I hate being Bond it's not yeah. something I want and they're like how about a hundred million <laughs> and in many ways Craig is Dalton's protege son <laughs> but Craig is a lot I mean A Craig can deliver a pun better he looks like he enjoys killing people more than Dalton did. Dalton always sort of was like, it was, I just sensed a kind of regret. I don't know. In License to Kill, he kills a lot of people and he likes it. It just doesn't. The only bit I really like in License to Kill is where the guy's head explodes in the pressure tank. And yeah, that's you're like, good. That is guessing that's why I got the 15 rating. Definitely. And, and someone being fed to sharks. Yeah, that was Felix Leiter. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was lighter afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so this film starts with a bungee stunt. So it's very 90s. Mm. It could only be more 90s if he was like extreme ironing. <laughs> Something like that. And we don't know how 006 got there, which who he meets, who you mentioned, mm. Italic. He might have got there in a more extreme way. <laughs> like sort of upside down skateboarding. Yeah. Or yeah, or parkour. Parkour. Oh, was parkour, parkour a 90s Parkour thing? wasn't an actual thing. No, we had no. to... I don't know that bungee jumping was actually that big at that point. I think I think it was still pretty forward thinking to have Bond bungee... Probably. ...off a dam. Yeah. With Bond films, there's usually... They know someone who does something, so they get them in to do it, that no one else is doing. Like uh, Rick Sylvester doing the ski jump in The Spy Who Loved Me. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out and say it. I think the bungee off uh, the dam is... And the whole sequence, right up until he climbs into the plane, is probably the greatest opening credit sequence for a Bond movie ever. The other one being the one you're talking about, the spider. Yeah, well, it's very good. It's a, it's, it's a very clever way of introducing him because you don't see his face. You see his eye a little bit. You only see him after he's upside down saying, sorry, I forgot to knock. Yeah. It's a nice introduction to a new Bond. It's a great introduction. And, I, you know, I mean, everyone's like, because I think it was like the highest free-fall bungee jump thing that had ever yeah. been done at that point. And like people are like, oh, that must have been dangerous. I'd argue it was still a lot safer than when you go to a fair and like some carny has set up a crane and gone, yeah, it's a bungee jump. And you're like, I'm not getting on that. Yeah. I, I value my life too no, much. No, no, there's a lot of those that you wouldn't go on. But I'd definitely bungee jump off a dam. 
Yeah, I, I, I would as well. Although the stuntman who did it passed out like when the cord tightened because it was so high. But wow, yeah, it's a great opening, and that whole opening, and the fact that he meets Alec Trevelyan, 006, and you're like, I mean, you always guessed like if he was 007, there must have been at least six previous Bonds, yeah, or double O's, but you've never really referenced that before. You're like, they're out there. Well, there are. It is referenced in other films. Is it? Yeah. Okay. You knocked the pussy and. Stuff. Well, that's why you're there and I'm over here. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. What <laughs> earth are you doing on here? <laughs> the video game that you mentioned before, I'm mm. so, it's so within my psyche that the first thing I think is when he, when he comes down that chute and knocks out that guy on the toilet and you see the toilets, it's so perfectly rendered in the game because mm-hmm. they literally got all the blueprints from the sets yeah. and put them in the game. It's so perfectly done that when he gets out of the toilet and you see it, it's almost like your brain saying, this is a film of the game. And you're like, wow, they've recreated the game perfectly. And all the sets in this film are from the, you know, they're in the game. So there's so many moments in this film where you want to shoot out the cameras yourself <laughs> so you can finish the level, that's something. It's so ingrained. And that bit where he's in the facility, there was always the first level in the game, obviously always, because every time you play it, it's the first level. I don't yep. know why I said always. No, it's, but yeah. it's, it's, it's good to know that it yeah. is the first it's level. It's always the first always level. Always the first level. In case level. you <laughs> want to play it again, it's always the first one. And the game is so important to this film, I think, even though it came out two years later, that when I watch this film now, all I, I'm always thinking of the game. That's how good it was. I mean, the game, I lost so much of my teenage life to, mm. to playing that video game on the N64. I'm not suggesting you were lonely, but I never actually played it level by level. I only ever played multiplayer with, like, all my hundreds of friends. So well, I had f- three other friends. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. yeah for the deathmatch. Yeah, yeah, right, so that was the I best thing. how you played with hundreds. How did you do that? Well, when I say hundreds, I mean, yeah. I'm using it in the sort of the loose term of mm. the word hundreds. Three. Two, actually. Two, yeah. yeah. We yeah. only played two. Yeah. But like, I remember one night I, I went to bed. I think we would stayed up to like three o'clock in the morning playing it. And my friend James Jolly, real name, mm. uh, was uh, playing it as we all fell asleep. And we woke up about eight hours later and he was still <laughs> playing GoldenEye. It was that game. So and I can't remember. I interviewed Pierce Brosnan once while he was still doing Bond. And I can't remember if it was GoldenEye because he did. There were numerous games. I, there was another game that that used his face for the character of Bond. And I can't remember. I don't think it was Goldeneye. There was a few. There was a few which yeah. used his image. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I'd interviewed him, and I was back in the MTV day, so I was pretty young and pretty fresh. Mm. And I just remember going, look, I, I love the game, and I like the version of you, but you do look a bit like her. And before I finish the sentence, which is good, because I wasn't sure how he was going to take it, he went, yeah. a monkey, right? <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, you do look a bit sort of ape-like in it. Mm. And Pierce Brosnan, James Bond, then proceeded to do a spot-on monkey impression in front of me. And I remember going, man, you are cool. As well as being James Bond, you can do a great monkey impression, which I think is either end of the acting scale. On one end, you've got Bond. On the other brilliant monkey so is this an exclusive here we're hearing for the first time that Pierce Brosnan does an excellent monkey impression I, that's what I brought to the table today well, yeah. that's excellent I'm really pleased you came in and I mean obviously he can do a great monkey impression because mm-hmm. he's a great actor yeah that reminds I once interviewed Tom Hanks although obviously he's not Bond and uh, I asked these questions which were really basic questions this was for Captain Phillips I was just sort of like tell me about what attracted you to the role mm. what was it like working with Paul Greengrass and after each question he was like that's a great question that's a a great question. And I walked out of the interview going, wow, I mean, like Tom Hanks, that was a brilliant interview and he mm. really loved those questions. And the first person I told that to it, uh-huh, you do realise he's won two Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why his name is Thanks. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be horrible if your name's Thanks. No, you'd have to be called Death. Yeah, or Prick. <laughs> Paul Rick. <laughs> anyway, so 006 and Bond, mm. they're going to get into the facility. They kill loads of scientists. Yeah. Not very nice, but you have to do that in the game as well. well no, no, you get deducted in the game if you kill them, don't you? So they shoot some scientists. Yep. And then they go down They go down to where all the tanks are to put the bombs on them. Mm. And then they say, you know, half of everything is luck. Mm. What's the other half? Fate. And then they put the bombs on and then the alarm goes off. Yep. And then Alec and Bond get split up. Yep. And he says, closing time, James. Mm. Last call. And Bond says, mine's a pint. I can't imagine ever drinking mm. a pint. Oh, I, I can. He never does, though, does he? They really missed a trick. Well, he Craig has that Heineken in, what was it, Skyfall? Wasn't that an advert, though? I mean, that was, I think, that was a huge coup for Heineken, having Bond lying in a beach hut drinking a Heineken. Oh, you're right. In Skyfall, he mm. drinks a Heineken. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. I'd love it if at some point he goes up to the bar in a casino and goes... I'll have a pint and a packet of cheese and onion quisps. He'd be at a quisps. <laughs> quisps. Is that like quavers? Yeah, I was going yeah. to say quavers, and mm. at the last moment I changed it to crisps, and I went... You couldn't get cheese and onion quavers, quips. of course. Yeah. Although Bond probably would drink better, I'd imagine. It's that bit which is almost prophetic, considering where we are right now and how Scotland and everywhere is going to leave us, where uh, Alec Trevelyan goes... For England, James. Not yeah. Britain. No, England. Not Britain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw Scotland and Wales. Yeah. For England, James. It's very James. UKIP-y, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because, you know, UKIP are UKIP, but they don't care about Scotland or Wales or Ireland. They care about England. But, they don't want to be too racist and say England first. <laughs> so they say UKIP, even though they don't care about the U bit or the K. <laughs> just the IP. <laughs> They're just there for the IPs. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so Trevelyan is captured mm. by Oromov, That's who right. is great. Oromov is such a good character. He looks evil. Mm. And there's a bit which I believe Martin Campbell borrowed from The Wild Bunch, the Sam Peckinpah movie. Mm -hmm. That bit where it's that really great scene where it all goes quiet mm -hmm. and then Bond wheels the trolley thing yeah. and it's all the squeaky wheels across and then one of his enthusiastic soldiers fires him and he just turns around and shoots him and you're yeah. like... Oh, part of you is like, oh, that's awful. But mm. the other part is like, bad Ass. Mm. That's what you do. And he says, you can't win, which is quite good. That is good. And uh, Alec is shot at this point because he says, blow them all to hell, James. Mm. And Oromov gives James 10 seconds to get out. But James resets the timer from six minutes to three minutes. Three minutes, yeah. And then Oromov shoots Trevelyan. In inverted commas. In inverted commas. But we don't know that. Spoiler alert. Oh, are we? Do we? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't know whether this was for people who go, I might watch GoldenEye tonight. I'll just check Smirsh Pod. Shall I listen to Smirsh Pod or watch an actual <laughs> film? It's a tough call. Mind you, you're on. You might attract people. Who've never, ever watched GoldenEye before, which is uh, a shame because it's the best Bond movie. Well, we'll get to that. So, Bond gets away and blows up the facility. Yep. And then we have the excellent plane stunt. Yeah, the first... Where he jumps off the cliff on his Bugatti motorbike. Yeah. Got to get the product placement in. Jumps off. I mean, and in terms of that, this movie is ridiculous for it really is. product placement. Obviously, it's been away for six years, so they need to get some more money in. Yeah. But this is everywhere. The number of times he goes, look at my Omega watch. And you're like... I'll just yeah. drive through this giant van of Perry. Yeah. Right. You're like... Yeah. Necessary? The best one of those, though, or the worst one, depending on how you want to look at it, is not a Bond movie. You know World War Z, the uh, Brad yes. Pitt zombie film? The bit after he's just worked out 
the way you, he injects himself with the virus so like, the zombies go oh he's sick so we won't attack him mm. and he's like phew and it's that tense scene with the thing that's like gnashing its teeth and mm-hmm. stuff and then he goes worked it out and he goes to a Pepsi machine and just sits in a corridor and just pops open a Pepsi that's some of the worst product placement that's the film where Peter Capaldi's character is called Who Doctor oh yeah. yes it is yeah because yeah. he works for the World Health Organization yep. yes you're looking up on IMDb Who Doctor I, that's the plane the plane bit is great as well because like I love Chris Cobold. yes I, I think he is pretty much a genius and mm-hmm. And I think when you watch Goldeneye, and I mean, we'll get on to the tank stunt, but obviously he was the FX supervisor. And there is so, so many of the stunts in this are like very Nolan-esque. Because obviously he works with Christopher Nolan now. Yeah. You, that, the whole tank chase, when we get to talk about that, that just reminds me of like, if Christopher Nolan directed Bond, it would be scenes like that. That scene is like when they flip the 18 wheeler mm. in The Dark Knight. It's like, it's that level of, let's just, do it for real. Yeah. Forget CGI. Let's do it for real. And as far as I remember from interviewing Chris, he was like, that plane stunt I think we were going to do for real. Mm. At one point, we were actually going to have a guy jump off, free fall, and climb into a plane. And wow. then they were just like, Let, let's CGI it. And this is the first Bond movie that uses CGI. Yeah. And then someone somewhere in an office went, yeah, that CGI bit was good. Why don't we make Dying of the Day entirely CGI? It's cheaper. It, well, it, it is if your kite surfing scene looks like it was made on a Commodore 64. <sighs> yeah. This is the last film with Derek Meddings as well. He did all the miniatures for Bonds and Thunderbirds and Superman and all that. So all the miniature work you see in Bond films. Yeah. He did it all up till this film. So like the Severnaya dish... Planes crashing, that's all miniatures. And he died just before this film came out. It's dedicated to him at the end. Yeah. No, he was very good, even though now it all looks very miniature. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, the bit we're talking about, so after the bombs go off and, like, the Russian facility explodes and the plane flies over it, I would choose that over, that miniature yeah. no. explosion over, like, a CGI thing. Because <clears throat> you can just tell. Absolutely. But talking of Nolan, he likes using miniatures still. Yeah, he does. He used it in, uh, was it Batman Begins, where the monastery blows up? Okay. That's a miniature, but it doesn't look like it at I all. I did not know that. Although this is, seems like an appropriate time to debunk that story that uh, the bit where Heath Ledger comes out of the hospital and he presses the thing oh, yeah. and it doesn't go off and everyone's like, and he just like he just sort of improvised that bit where he mm. turns around and then hits it and then it goes off. It's like, no, you, you don't do a stunt of that magnitude and then just sort of go, uh, you know, it's not been tested. So well done, Heath, for doing that. It was obviously part of the film. It's weird when stuff like that happens. But he is dead. I'm not blaming him. No. And I wouldn't come here to to do that. I'm just saying the people out there who go, fantastic improvisation are Mm. wrong. And that's that's really why I came. Are we done? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. Um, but this is the point of the film where Eric Serra did the score, who did Leon, the professional, to Americans out there. Okay. Uh, he was, like, um, hot at the time, and he did the score. Now, I quite like his kind of, like, Cold War-y, doom, you know, the theme that goes on that's in the game as well. Mm. But that bit where the facility blows up at the beginning and the plane just comes out of the cliff, mm. it needs the Bond theme there. And there's, there's just no music at all. And then Goldeneye, the yeah, th- song starts. Yeah, that kicks in almost immediately afterwards. Yeah, but there's a moment of silence where the plane, you think, oh no, James Bond's going to die. 
And the plane just banks up at the last second. And you think it could do with a... But you don't get it. I disagree. I I agree. (laughs) Well, you would do. That's very much you. But no, because the GoldenEye theme, which is an absolutely incredible... Apart from the fake Casio keyboard trumpets... They Are you really sure? annoy me. I, I think they're real trumpets. They sound so awful. Yeah, but it, it, what you're saying is you don't like the sound of those particular trumpets. It's not a Casio keyboard but they trumpet. They sound you synthesized. Don't, you don't score a Bond movie and not pay for real trumpets. This is produced by Nelly Hooper. It doesn't matter who it's produced by. <laughs> no, no, no one's going to go, listen, we're going to get real trumpets. But, you know, well, we've got this keyboard. It sounds to me like it's made in a studio with a keyboard. That's it all. might sound like that, but it, you can't claim that it right. is a Casio Everyone keyboard. listening, I bet it was. <laughs> it wasn't. I'm going to check this. Anyway, Bono yeah. and the yeah. Edge wrote it. Yeah. Tina Turner sings it. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only problem with it is, mm-hmm. uh, and I printed out the lyrics just to confirm this, the only problem is I don't think anyone explained to Bono or the Edge or Tina Turner <laughs> What Goldeneye actually is no. in the movie, no. I think they've just gone, Goldeneye. Oh, what, like Goldfinger? Oh, so Goldeneye's a person. Because when you read the lyrics, it's like, Goldeneye, I found his weakness. It's a satellite. <laughs> Tina, it's a satellite. <laughs> Goldeneye, he'll do what I please. Well, it'll do what you please because it's we've got computers to, gu- to guide it. But again, <laughs> it's a satellite. Goldeneye, no time for sweetness. Yeah, that, that kind of works. But a bitter kiss will bring him to his knees again. It's a Tina. T- Tina. <laughs> it's a satellite. Like, the whole song assumes, like, that Goldeneye is this person. Like, on the wind, I feel his breath. It's in orbit, and it yeah. doesn't breathe. Yeah. Tina. She might be talking about the satellite as a he, like people talk about boats as a she. But, I mean, how do you bring a satellite to Maybe its knees? Maybe she once went to space, <laughs> floated around, and met Goldeneye. <laughs> It's just... Uh, Bono, The Edge, are you there? I've just been to space and I've met this satellite called Goldeneye. Could you write me a song about it? It was probably written years before they'd even seen the script. Yeah, but have you... Is that Because obviously, you know, I research heavily of for course. these He's, interviews. He has brought loads of pieces, like a whole book of paper. It's ridiculous. I um, I listened to the Ace of Bass version. You know Ace of Bass? Yeah, they, had, they did an audition, didn't they? Like yeah. A, this was around the time this and Tomorrow Never Dies actually loads mm. of bands tried mm. to get mm. in on it so they'd send in their version an Ace of Bass one's bad yeah they, well, you you're not going to say it's good are you no oh good no God. No, it's, it's not terrible you can find oh, no, it no, it's you, not someone's put it on YouTube they've sent mm. the Ace of Bass on which they released as the juvenile like to yeah. the credits yeah. and it starts really well and then halfway through it goes really bad, and then you remember it's Ace of Bass, and it's like, it's like oh, that she wants it's another baby. You're like, yeah, no, she's a golden eye, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, so Ace of Bass is a satellite, so it's not per, <laughs> not person, it's a satellite. It could be a metaphorical satellite. No, because you've seen the movie; it's an actual satellite. Well, I'm only Ace of Bass, am I supposed to? <laughs> um, Pulp did Tomorrow Never Dies. You know, you can find that. It's a song that they've released as a song called Tomorrow Never Lies. Because that's what the film's originally called, of course. I did not know that. Go on YouTube, put mm-hmm. Pulp, Tomorrow Never Lies. It's a song. Who did that in the end? Cheryl Crow? Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. I don't remember it. See, and there, there you go. Like you, A Bond theme should be like, you say the name of the movie, and people will go, of course, it's that theme. It's like when you say Die Another Day, and people go, oh, God! Yeah, right, yeah. well, that's... Yeah, that's 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 a flaw in my argument, because my suggestion was, well, if you name the movie, the song's probably good. But it can work both ways. Spectre? I know, but he won an Oscar for it. How? Yeah. How? It must have been a really fallow year. I think there was one for 
There was one for Moana that everyone thought was going to win. Maybe. Should have done, really, compared to Spectre. Spectre's not that a great That starts song. off great, and then yeah. it's like, it reminds me of that Monty Python sketch with the mouse organ. It's a <laughs> yeah. squeaky little thing going. Yeah. And you, what is it? The writing's on the wall. Skyfall's good, though. Mm, it's all right. <gasps> the song, or we're not talking about the movie yeah, here. I'm talking about the song, it's all right. All right, I think it's My great. problem is, as someone who can play a musical instrument, Right, and understands chords. Yep. Is that there's three Bond themes in a row that use the same chord progressions, and it annoys mm. me. Like you know my name and Skyfall have basically got the same chords in the song, and they use the same technique to get the Bond theme into it, and it annoys me a lot. But that's I, just me being really that, boring. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, that is. I mean, if I had known that, and then... that terrible Quantum of Solace one. Who is it? Jack Black. Oh God, yeah. one that uses the same chords as well. So it's three in a row. B minor, G, E. <laughs> three in a row. After we've had Tina Turner's Opus, which sounds like a film, <laughs> a sequel to Mr. Holland's Opus, we get Bond in his Aston Martin with a lo- young lady who's been sent to evaluate him. That's right. When he sees, on a top, we don't know her name yet, mm. in her Ferrari. Mm. And uh, he has a little bit of a flirtation, a motorised flirtation with her. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, isn't advised, like, using cars to arouse each other. My, I love that scene. Obviously, it's again, because it's done for real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the old Aston Martin versus, like, the sexy Ferrari. My only problem with it is every time I watch it, it just reminds me of the scene in Vacation with Chevy Chase where the woman pulls alongside and he's all like, yeah. oh, hello. And she's like, oh, look at me in my sexy car. And I can't get that out of my head. So Christy, Christy Brinkley? In the car in Vacation. Yeah, Billy Joel's ex-wife I did not know that yeah although that joke is replayed very well in the new vacation movie have you oh, seen it no, I don't oh you should it. watch it it no. got a really hard time but it's a fantastic funny film I'm never watching it watch it just telling you now uh-huh. I'm never watching it I'm going to make you watch it you're not yeah I am you're not you don't have that power I probably will find that power you somehow you don't have that power okay. it's not going to happen <laughs> Well, I don't want to fall out with you over this, but I'm just, you know, I mean, what am I here for if I can't give you a recommendation to watch Sit a movie? Sit down. Sit down. I'm not going to watch Vacation. I'm, I'm not going to mention Vacation Look, it's again. so bad that Chevy Chase went into rehab immediately afterwards. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's no coincidence. Yeah. Um, John Landis convinced him not to take the lead in Animal House, which would have actually been a really good thing for him to do. Did he? I hmm? thought he just didn't want to do it. No, I'm pretty sure John Landis told him not to do it. But Tim Matheson did it instead, didn't he? That's he was, right, he was yeah. good. He was great. It's a great movie, a great film. John Belushi. Is it better than Vacation? Well, you can't just pick a great movie as a reason not to watch Vacation. I mean, Vacation is, like, better than Master of Disguise, Dana Carvey's attempt to create his own Austin Powers franchise. Since you've gone to Sky, right, you've Mm. gone... What? You've sold out. Listen, I just have a real... A soft spot for ridiculous slapstick. Can Ed ask- Helms is in Vacation, and Ed Helms is great. And the, look, if a man can mine like gags from having a car door repeatedly slammed on his arm, which is very funny and lasts for five minutes, it's a good movie. Is it the Sky, Sky premiere this week? Monday, the twenty sixth <laughs> of August. Did we get the lovely moment of all the uh, men having a bicycle race? dominoing over each other. That's very Bond, I think. Yeah, that is. Yeah. I like that. I like that as well, I, you know, because imagine if you were not Bond and mm. you got caught behind, like, a group of people. And I don't think they're even riding single file. No, they're very disorganised. Yeah. They need and, to sort that. There must be an amateur club. Well, I mean, I, I, in many ways, they learnt a valuable lesson from Bond then because, you know, don't cycle like that and certainly don't line your bikes up in a, a domino effect when Bond's nearby because, yeah. you know, he owns the road. Does that... <laughs> although... That reminds me of that ridiculous line that Desmond... I will say this about Goldeneye. I love it. 
there are some terrible puns in it. They mm. start off well and they drop off a cliff. And there's a bit where Desmond Llewellyn goes, may I remind you, Bond, you have a, a license to kill, not a license to break traffic laws. And you're like, I bet on the license to kill, there is a subclause that goes, your license to kill also allows you to break traffic laws so if which necessary. Which worse? Breaking traffic laws or murdering someone? Are they maybe one in the same? But if you if you were to work in a building, say the top floor is murdering someone, <laughs> and your past got you to murder someone on the top floor, you surely have access to all the floors below. This is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Desmond Llewellyn probably... I mean, it's not really his place to tell Bond what he does. He should just keep his fucking nose out. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Shut up, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll get to him in a minute. Okay. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. But where so, are we? So yeah, this is Bond uh, flirting with on a top. Mm. They have a little car chase, and mm. then she goes away. And mm. Bond, the lady with Bond, tells him to stop. So he stops, presses a button. This is Miss Money Penny, isn't it? No, 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 no. It's I a, thought she was Miss Money Penny. No, it's a young lady that's been sent to evaluate him. Oh, completely different actress. Okay, not Samantha Bond. You didn't put that in your nose, did you? Wait, let me just let me just check. Have we got fifteen minutes? No, we haven't. Okay, so you wrote vacation. Go you on. did write vacation yeah. down. Why? As a recommendation for your listeners to watch. Three o'clock Sky Movies premiere. Oh right. Okay. Ed Helms, Christina Applegate, Vacation <clears throat> Sky premiere. Good. If you can get Sky to sponsor this, that'd be <laughs> lovely. Yes. So then Bond pulls out. He pulls the handbrake. That's not a euphemism. Mm. And then out comes the champagne. Now I want to imagine a bit where he says the cue. Can I borrow the Aston Martin? Could you also make a little bit with champagne and glasses in in case I get lucky? Yeah. Because that's what happens. I mean, and what actual useful tool could have gone in there? It's like, oh, I'm going to need to going to need to use the missile. Shit. I replaced it with a champagne cooler. One of those beaded seat covers. <laughs> Keep it cool. Put it on the seat. Yeah. You don't see a, him anymore. A huge thing. I'd love it if he popped open the ice cream and there were just sort of a couple of fabs in there. <laughs> just like, Mike, fab? That's probably what it's for. 
<laughs> fabs. Well, fabs. I mean, we're not exclusively fabs. Are you sponsored by fabs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought so. The new sponsor of Sky Premiere. <laughs> sponsored by fab. <laughs> what would that. you have? A Twizzler? Uh, Feast, probably. Feast. Magnum. Yeah. What yeah. kind of Magnum, though? White chocolate Magnum. What about, have you had the double peanut butter Magnums? That is the ice cream of kings. Now, that is a euphemism. That is a euphemism. <laughs> yeah. I'm not That means I've been that. to prison. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been to prison. I was just there for a bit. So, yeah, he pulls over and he basically, he, he has sex with her. But we don't see that. Presumably it's been cut out. Yeah. Well, they cut a few bits and pieces out, didn't they, to get the PG-13? Yeah, but they put them back in for the DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah. Because I remember watching it originally when he rabbit punches on a top. Yeah, I, I remember it being really badly cut. But when I watched it the other night, it was all there. Is it a rabbit punch? I watched it, and I know they call it a rabbit punch. To me, and obviously it predates Austin Powers, to me it looks like a judo chop. I don't know. I ain't never punched a rabbit. I don't know what a rabbit punch is. Is that when you do that? It's how um, years ago when... Sorry, um, I say that. No one knows what I'm doing. It was uh, just uh, for reference, you were... Uh, so, yeah, with the, doing an America World from London hand. When myxomatosis was a huge thing in the UK, uh, mm. people, like, obviously they had to put down a lot of rabbits uh, very quickly. So they yeah. trained people in what is now known as the rabbit punch. Because if you mm. punch a rabbit on the back of its neck using the uh, palm of your palm hand, hand, it uh, incapacitates it instantly, which is where rabbit punch came from. Right. Okay. Who told you that? Yeah. Warren. <laughs> 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 no, I watched no. Watership Down. Watership Down. Ugh. Terrifying film. Awfully terrifying. Because you start watching it as a kid and you go, awesome, a cartoon. Mm. And apart from the bit with the crazy seagull, it's just grim. And the general, <clears throat> is he called the general? Yeah, the general, when he gets rabies at the end. Yeah. He yeah, he rips people to pieces. Mm. That's all no. about. Oh, yeah, he does rip people to pieces. Yeah, does all... he get rabies? Or is he just crazy evil? I thought he got rabies. I don't think I don't he know. gets rabies. I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, well, if you haven't seen it for a while, I'm just going to step in here. Yeah. He's just like proper evil. Yeah. Like he's a. He gets red eyes though. He's a bad. Not like he's rabbit. got rabies. He's a bad it. He's a bad it. <laughs> a bad it. No, he just kills people. Does he rabbit then... punch people? I suppose he'd have to, wouldn't he? I he's got rabbit hands. Yeah, I mean, you... are they hands? He does. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that would be so weird. If what you, if he had actual hands? Yeah. But then he comes out at the end and then he find, then the dog gets Oh, good him. for him. Yeah. It's, it's 21st century after all. <laughs> <laughs> but they showed that Boxing Day at tea time, didn't they? No. Last year. Really? Did yeah. they get complaints? Yeah, I think they did it two years in a row on Channel 5. Obviously, you've got no affiliation with them, so you don't care. But I'll be silent for this bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're contractually. Mm-hmm. You're like that when, when Jordan got pulled over by the police for the BBC and said she couldn't get out of her car because she had an exclusive contract with ITV. That's <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's get back to Goldeneye. Yes. So anyway, Bond shags that woman. Then Bond goes back to... Okay. MI6. Yes, he goes back to MI6. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah he goes back there and we meet... Money Penny. Money Penny. Who's been on a date with a gentleman. That's right. And then she lets him in to see the legend that is Judy Dent. Well, before that, the legend that is Michael Kitchen. What? Oh, yes, that's yeah. right. Because he puts his foot in it, doesn't he? Saying about the evil queen of numbers wouldn't let you play it. And she says, if I want sarcasm, I'll speak to my children. She's so... I mean, she owned that role from the She was start. brilliant. And I mean, this is, you know, the first time we're meeting someone who we see right up until her demise in skyfall which was actually really i know you're not a fan of that movie but that's an emotional moment that's i, uh, I can't exclusively reveal yet i'm not a fan of that movie okay we well haven't got to it yet okay well i, I won't mention yeah. that you uh, are a fan of that movie or are not a fan of that movie but that bit with judy dench in skyfall is a real emotional gut punch it's it's great what 
Hmm? What was that face? Nothing. No? No. Okay, fine. Uh, but she's brilliant in this, because this is obviously influenced by the fact that MI5, I believe, head at the time in the mid-90s was Stella Rimington. That's right. So a lady was in charge. Hmm. So they obviously thought... A lady a woman. was in charge. <laughs> a woman. So they gave the part to Judy Dench, and she was brilliant. She was That's... brilliant. She was great. And that line... She lets herself down slightly, but... In what sense? Well, she gives a big speech to Bond about how he's a sexist misogynist dinosaur. dinosaur right. Yeah, which is a great speech. Right, and, uh, then... and then she says, come back alive. <laughs> no, I knew you were going to say that. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's like going, you are uh, the worst person. I'm going to miss you so much yeah. while you're away. It completely devalues everything she said before. I really like the sexist misogynistic dinosaur line because it is a kind of like, look, it's a self-aware moment. It's a bit where they sort of go, you know, because the whole thing was like, it, you know, when before Goldeneye was even going to come out, it was the whole thing was, is it relevant? I mean, mm. there was a point where we may have had no more Bond and we, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to it because after the debacle that was Dalton's era, then, you know, six years pass and people are like, Bond is not, it's not right. Well, she's also acknowledging the Cold War being over because when Licence to Kill came out or was being made, the Berlin Wall was done. Mm. So she says you're a relic of the Cold War. And it's just setting the scene from where we are in the world. But then she ruins it by saying, I am a stupid lady. I can't stand seeing you go off somewhere. Could you come back alive or I'll cry in my doily? So it's a bit annoying. It's almost too self-aware, though. There is a point where she says it and you almost want Pierce Brosnan to literally break the fourth wall and look down the camera lens and go, oh, we get it. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, don't worry. Or just start masturbating. <laughs> One of the two. Or bang her over the desk. This is Dame Judy Dench you're talking about. She wasn't about. that Dame then. She is now. Yeah, that... she is now. She wasn't then. Oh, well, that's fine. Yeah. That's okay, that's then. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Helen Mirren, before she was a Dame, was whopping them out all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I bought Caligula the other day. It is awful. Yeah. I mean, unwatchable. But it's but... not supposed to be watched, is it? No. It's supposed to be used as material. <laughs> it's supposed to be a, a mechanism to achieve orgasm. That is actually why I bought it. Of course it is. But, you know, I mean, the, HD? the prevalence of internet pornography these days renders Caligula. It, it makes it redundant. It does. You know, and in fact, like, on many, many unnamed websites, you can actually find scenes from Caligula. Like the cook, the thief, his wife and his lover. That was another one that was prevalent in the... Is that the one with Michael Gammon? Yeah. The one where the room changes colour every time they move from one room to another. It's the bit where the where the, just the dead body has been cooked at the end. Yeah. And yeah she they're... makes him eat his penis. Penis, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like a hot dog. Yeah. I don't know about that. I'm making that bit up. Game, it's obvious. Game of Thrones. Well, Boltwood is uh, eating Alfie Allen's... It's not really his. It's not his, though. It's just no, it's a sausage. Not it is a sausage, but he doesn't know... Alfie Allen doesn't know that. You must not. have interviewed one of those two, haven't you? No. I was going to say, because we're going to get to a point here, and we have reached that point where you haven't interviewed somebody. Because mm. you've interviewed everybody, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, nearly everybody. You did the Spectre gig, right? I did. I was there when everyone already knew it was called Spectre, but we still mm. went through the were ceremony. Were you the one where they were basically in the hangar with the Aston Martin under a shroud? Yes. Yeah, that one. What was that, the DB10? Yeah. It was a cool car. It was a cool car. Very cool car. Didn't get used much, but it was a cool car. And again, I mean, look, you know... You can't slag it off because they paid you money to do that. Oh, I Surely. can. I can. can. It was a lot. Well, I'm not slagging off. Oh, I am. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, That's you exactly do that what because you might have a phone call in the post. Here. I just really wanted that car chase to be a lot better. It had all the makings of potentially a really good car chase. And for some reason, it was really boring. And I do remember reading somewhere that actually they weren't allowed to 
they wanted to shoot it in the Vatican, but you like can't travel more than 20 miles an hour in Vatican City, which makes for a less than thrilling car chase. It's probably the equivalent of what they ended up with, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it's similar. I think because the Pope goes to bed early or something, and it's like well, the noise. Fair enough, it's a tough job. It's a really hard job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you did the Spectre gig. Yes. And was that exciting, meeting Bond people? Yeah, it was. But you've done it before, right? Yeah, I really, I really enjoy interviewing Daniel Craig. I genuinely do. Like, mm. it can be, it can be tough sometimes. Not going to lie, but it's you know, you sometimes want someone who is a challenge because it means you get tested at your job. You know, because there are actors out there. I'm not going to mention any names because you know, like you say, I would like to remain employed. But mm. uh, some people are just such showmen or show women. Like mm. they come in and it's you know, they're like, hey, and it's so easy. Like this wasn't a challenge, but it was just a bit of a show that you put on. And Daniel Craig quite clearly doesn't do that. Good. So, Goldeneye. Sorry, yeah, we keep going off. No, we'll keep going off tangents. That's good. It's interesting. So, Bond goes off to somewhere in France, south of France. Oh, yeah, Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo, sorry, yeah. Mm. He goes to the casino in Monte Carlo. Yes. And that's where we see him meet on the top again. Then we find out her name and you get Brosnan being excellent at doing jokes. Because, (laughs) well, you're going to take issue with this because I think the way he says on the top... And she says, also, it's quite funny. There are some jokes he does in that casino scene, which I just, I don't know, the bit where he goes, I like a woman who enjoys pulling rank. It's a great joke. I just, take the time to exp- treat me like a layman here. Okay, well, Bond's a commander, mm-hmm. and the guy she's with is an admiral. Right. So he ranks higher than a commander. Oh. So she's pulling rank. I thought rank, I thought someone had thought rank sounded like wank, and... <laughs> They were like, she was going to be like... Oh, no. Right. No, no. So what you thought he was saying was, I like a woman who enjoys pulling men off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Right. He he was doing a a double-ended joke about pulling rank, as in... Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Also, that guy ranked higher than him in the the Navy. So it's both our jokes or just your joke? Your version? Just my version of the joke. No cock pulling. Oh. (sighs) Pulling as in getting off with, but also rank as in... Rank in the Navy. Uh, right. It's just the word pulling next to the word that sounds like wank. wank. Yeah, yeah, you got distracted. I understand. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is great, though, because we're finally talking about one of the greatest Bond girls in history. What, on a top? Flipping it, yeah. Yeah, she's very good in this. I mean, I had puberty dreams about her. Famke Janssen. Mm, Famke yeah. Janssen, yeah. She was it's in- a good name as well. Zena, Zenya, isn't it? Zenya on a top. Zenya on a top. But it's a great name because it works as a pun... But it also sounds like it could genuinely be a name, like, yeah. of, of someone. Yeah. Whereas by the time we get to The World Is Not Enough, they're naming women, like, Dr. Christmas gets that name for the joke, yeah, I thought Christmas only came once a year. Yeah. And you're like, you can't just name a character for a pun, but on the top is believably a Russian name. And she's incredibly hot. And also... I mean, you know, I'm sure therapy will eventually sort this out, but there is something incredibly sexy about being crushed to death between a woman's thighs. Yeah, I think you probably need help there. Yeah. But he also gets to do the the facial reaction, which I enjoy, when he says, I'll have a vodka martini shaken, not stirred. Hmm. And she says the same. Uh, and then he said, how do you like it? And she says, straight up with a twist. And he reacts like a kind of <laughs> Kenneth Connor style, which is, again, you've got a new Bond here and he's well up for a laugh. 
Pierce Brosnan is effectively the next Roger Moore. But he's... Yeah, he... I, I remember discussing this with people at the time, but he's Connery and Moore in yeah, one. that's he's, what I mean. He's, right. he's, he's a combination of Moore and Connery. He, and he... But he's beautiful. Like, yeah. he is the most attractive Bond that we've ever had. He's genuinely... I know people are going to go, oh, but when Sean was at the start... Um, no. Pierce Brosnan is super hot and with his, like, you know, his eyes. I remember seeing him at the press conference, not live, but watching it on TV when he was announced as Bond. And I don't know where they've already been doing it. Like, he was looked like this for another movie, but he had a beard and he had long hair. And I was like, you know, I was like into indie music and rock music at the time. I'm like, James Bond's finally cool. He's like young and sexy and he's got long hair. It was better than Daniel Craig arriving. He's no Timothy Dalton. Seriously, dude. <laughs> I just, I don't know why you'd think that. Timothy Dalton's a very attractive mm. man. I, I'm not saying it, well, no, he's not. Not He's not Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan is, like, sexy. Timothy Dalton is like, oh, God, do I have to do this? Mm. He's an actor. But, I mean, with a capital O, he's an actor. <laughs> yeah, and that's great, but not for Bond. I'm sorry, I know. But... We need to move on from this. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. I'm ready to move on. That's fine. That's, that's fine. Just... So, Oliver Top takes her Admiral home mm. and fucks him to death. I'm so pleased you said it like that, but yeah, that's what that's happens. What he says, Anya, yeah. Anya, can't Dan- breathe. Yeah. And he dies. Super hot. But then you get the great joke later when he opens the cupboard and he falls out beaming. We all, you know, we don't all want to go that way, but it's not a terrible way to go. That's what I just said, and you said I needed therapy. You said you think about it. Yeah, well, of course I think about it. Do you not? It just occurred to me. I don't think about it. I'm not obsessive with it like you are. You've just... I've said it twice today. Oh, I said it once. <laughs> yeah. So? I mean, not just anyone's thighs. I just, I think her thighs specifically in that movie. For her thighs only. <laughs> um, hey. She's, she's great. And like using sex as a weapon. It's like the only other time I've seen that done in a movie, which is not a great movie and is basically a sort of weird porno. There was a film called Deadly Weapons which had an actress, a porn actress called... Did she Chess- have machine gun boobs? No, no, she just had huge, natural, naturally huge boobs. Mm. And I think these criminals killed her husband and she goes around and suffocates them all by going, let's have sex, and then just puts their face between her boobs and they suffocate and die. That's Deadly Weapon starring Chesty Morgan. I remember watching it. Like, I think it was on Bravo when I was a teenager. I was like, I'm going to watch this. And it's, you know, you know, like when you go to a sex show and actually it's... No. One... Okay. <laughs> so when you go to... I was in Amsterdam. It's not yeah. like I just came from one. I... Uh... It's a very... Yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, some of the most unerotic experiences uh, you can have and uh, and Deadly Weapons is the same. So I wouldn't recommend anyone watching it unless they have a real fetish for being suffocated in boobs. It's some not people as, do. Right, but it's not the same as, as then you're on a top size, which is actually sexy. No. Right. Um, so well, this is the bit that confuses me, actually, right? Bond obviously sends the information back to uh, Moneypenny via his fax computer in his car. And she says, I trust you'll stay on the top of things. That's a good joke. That Love one. it. You, you beamed at that. I did. I can't help it. That's mm. a good joke. There are... There are other bad jokes in this. But I'm confused about who exactly takes the admiral uh, the admiral's pass. Is it Oromov? Oh, I thought it was Xenia. Doesn't Xenia? Xenia dresses up as the people she... They kill two people in the base later. She says, I'm a present from the boys at the beer. Yes, yes. She says, I think I'm in heaven. And she says, not yet, and shoots them. Then she dresses up as one. And when they turn up... Well, this is it. When they turn up at the boat, someone else is dressed as the admiral with a pretend beard on. You don't see who that is. 
I'm so pleased you mentioned this because I really never understood it's that. It's always bugged me. Yeah, because they just dress as the pilots, so surely the pass that they took from the Admiral was to get onto the ship in the yeah, first place. So someone's why... dressed as the Admiral. Yeah, but they're only on screen for a fraction of a second. So who is it? Is it supposed to be Oromov? Because when they turn up at the Severnaya later, it's Oromov and Holotop. So is it them that we don't see? Yeah, that's not very well explained. You, that's a real, that's a, it's a really good spot. But I did Thanks. think that yesterday. I did Thanks. think uh, when I was watching it again yesterday, I was like, that's weird. We also need to talk about Piers Brosnan's wardrobe in this film at yeah. the beginning. When he turns up at the boat to have a look round and knocks that guy down the stairs and finds the dead admiral, hmm. he is wearing boat shoes, chinos, <laughs> uh, I think a shirt, and a double-breasted blazer with gold buttons basically looks like a CNA winter catalogue. <laughs> or summer catalogue, I should say. Yeah. This is a sexy man, right? I don't know it was 1995, but it's no excuse. The thing is, he pulls it off. I mean, I know that... I, I think... He if- pulls wank. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's great looking like that. I think, you know, that's the kind of look I think you and I would try and do. And, like, we would never be able to do it. I'd never wear a gold-buttoned blazer. But he's on a boat, what so? That's what you wear should he, on should a he boat. Should have bell bottoms and a pinafore dress on? Because he's on a boat. Is that, is that right? That's what people wear on boats. He's Go- got boat shoes and yeah. a blazer. It's like you've seen Captain Birdseye. Yes. That's what Captain Birdseye wears because he's be- on a boat. Yeah, but he's a captain. Well, Pierce Brosnan's probably posing as a captain okay, because to right. get on the boat. All right, all right, I'll let that go. Fine. Have you ever been on a boat? No, yes. Well... Yes, but I didn't wear a gold button blazer. And how long were you on the boat? Not long. Right, because yeah. you weren't dressed right, so they probably threw you off. Gold button blazer and boat shoes. That's why they're called boat shoes. Yeah, you're right. It's all right. It's fine. Yeah, it's I mean, fine. I spend a lot of time on boats. So. But then also on the other boat, you know when they steal the Euro Tiger helicopter? Best vehicle in the movie. Yeah, it's very good. You get the most French man in the world who says, there will now be a demonstration of the aircraft, mm. which I can't do because I'm not French. Oh, so he's French. Very French. He says, <laughs> demonstration. <laughs> I've written down here, demonstration. I will ne- there will now be a demonstration. That's better. Yeah, that's, that's better. Not great. Better than mine. It is better than yours, which is why I rose to the challenge, yeah. uh, which I believe is a line in the movie. <laughs> it is. Yes. You've Im- imbibed it. Because that's, I think the reason he's French is because that was actually a French helicopter that they used in real life. Yeah, I believe. A sexy French helicopter. I know that because this is Bond, and later on when they have a computer readout of it, there's the logo in the corner, so they're obviously getting some money yeah. from using this particular helicopter. Yeah, but it is a sexy helicopter. It is very good. Mm. It's a bit like um, Airwolf or Blue Thunder. Yeah, Roy Schneider. Blue Thunder's a great film. Blue Thunder is a really good film, really anti-authoritarian movie as well. It's fantastic. Great soundtrack. Same guy who did War Games. Feels like it's in the same universe. Mm. What was his name in Airwolf? Jan Michael Vincent? Yeah, Jan Michael Vincent, yeah. yeah. He's now only got one leg. What? He's now only got one leg. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's uh, he's had a horrible he's had a horrible time. Jeez. If you look up later on, Jan yeah. Michael Vincent now, uh-huh. I think you'll be a bit upset. I might just I know that I don't trust you, but I don't want to sort of walk away from this podcast and then look up Jan Michael Vincent and find out he's got two legs and this was some sort of weird ruse. <laughs> I, I don't know why it would be funny, but it's not funny. Hang on a second, Jan. Michael. Yeah, we're relatively the same age. Cool. Airwolf was important. Airwolf was really important. Better than Streethawk. Ugh, I, I, like, like. I like Streethawk. Oh. A lot of people do look up John Michael Vincent now. It's the first thing on the Google search. He's not had a good time of it. Uh, yeah, he really only has one leg. Okay, Goldeneye. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the Euro Tiger helicopter flies off. Mm. Bond is pinned to the wall by the guards because he's tried to stop it, and he has to watch it fly off. Mm. 
Impotently. He looks cross. Well, he looks furious, actually. Really yeah. cross, because Pierce Brosnan is very good at grumping, is what I call it. He kind of goes... Ugh, Ugh. Yeah, because people are always fucking with his shit. I mean, yeah. like, like he was there to save the helicopter and, like, the stupid military... I'm not saying they were French, although they probably were in this they, instance. They were, they were French. I'm not saying all the French military is stupid, but in no. this instance, I mean, they really screwed up. They've had a massive security blunder. I mean, what they should do is let a man who they don't know onto a secure warship. A walking CNA catalogue, <laughs> running to the warship. He's not still in boat shoes, is he, yeah, at that point? Yeah, he's still in his gold blazer. Oh, yeah, OK. Yeah. Well, he was on a boat again, though. So. Well, he's thought ahead, hasn't Acceptable. He? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I feel stupid now. I'm not going to take you on a boat until you've got a blazer with gold buttons. Well, you're not taking me on a boat. Well, and I'm not watching a vacation. Oh, OK, well, you are. Um, so then we cut to Severnaya and we meet Boris. Julian Assange. Boris. He's so good. Alan Cummings is... So fun as Boris. You've interviewed him, haven't you? Weirdly enough, I have never interviewed Alan Cummings. Wow, that's two. For ye- for years, weeks afterwards, like, I'm invincible! Yeah. I was repeating that over and over again. But not only that, he has that wonderful insult that you go, why did that never catch on? Which is, slugheads. Yep. You're like, where did that come from, slugheads? But he's great. And he adds some comic relief to a Bond movie, which is actually unusual. It's great. And he, as you say, slughead. He also has the worst passwords ever. Knockers, right? They're right in front of you and they open big doors. And chair, which we find out later, which is a shit password. It's a terrible password. I mean, when you type that in, it goes not strong next to it. Well, yeah, exactly. And he says you sit on it and you can't take it with you. You can literally pick up a chair <laughs> and take it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a shit password. But I was wondering if he was still working for the KGB, like maybe if Putin defrosted him. And if ever Putin calls Trump a slughead, you know, <laughs> Boris is hacking the American elections. Because at yeah. one point he gets into Langley. He says, yes, I'm in. And he gets in there and then he calls them a slughead. Slughead. Not very nice. No. I think I really like Boris because he he was closer to who I was at 16 than, like, I mean, like, Bond's an athlete. But if Bond was at school with me, Bond would be the kid who was captain of the football team, mm-hmm. whereas I was the kid who was the only one in school to carry a briefcase and I tabletop wargamed at the weekend, which makes me more close to Boris than it does. Did you have a briefcase? I was the only kid in school with a briefcase. Why did you have a briefcase? Because I was really academic and I've just... I genuinely didn't think when I arrived at a 2,000-pupil comprehensive school... I'd be the only kid who carried a briefcase. So you were the original briefcase wanker? Uh, yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> the in-betweeners is more of a documentary to me than a comedy show. Jesus Christ. Mm, uh, I know. In, in my briefcase, I kept uh, a copy of White Dwarf every day. <laughs> Just in case you listeners don't know what White Dwarf is, it isn't a sort of really niche pornography magazine. No, 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 it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah. it's about tabletop. It would be actually better if it was a niche pornography so magazine. what's that shop called that you would have gone to? The Games Workshop. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah the Games Workshop, yeah. And yeah. I used to, me and my friends, we used to sit uh, around. I'd sit on my briefcase because I was Games Master and uh, play Dungeons and Dragons every lunchtime. Oh, well, that's fine. Which is what Boris it represents in yes, this movie. So yes. in many ways, I have that affinity with him. Well, three, three cheers for you. Thanks very much. That's very good. Happy? I, listen, I, no, not really. Have you seen me sort of withdraw into myself all of a sudden going, why would you tell people that? Yeah. Mm. It's a really nice briefcase as well. And it was a Delsey, so it was, wasn't leather. It was made of this kind of like carbon fibre kind of thing, which 
well, you could hold it up and like when the rocks were thrown at you, they bounced off it and they didn't damage it. So when did you stop using the briefcase? I, uh, I kept the briefcase for uh, five of the seven years I was at school. And uh, then when I finally got rid of it, a year went by where people eventually forgot. And then I got my first girlfriend at 17. Did she have a briefcase? No, but no. she did remember the briefcase, but we never spoke about it. Have you still got the briefcase? Yeah, I've got the briefcase. Of course I've got the briefcase. you still got it? Yeah. Wow. still got all my white dwarfs in it. Have you? Yeah. Were it's... you never into tabletop wargaming? No, no, no. Were you then? No. Honestly? Honestly not, okay. no. Fine. I was more of a sitting at home playing the Spectrum or the Amiga type of person. No, I did that as well. No, I never really got into that. I knew people who were into D&D, but... Not, not for me. Okay, I thought we might have some common ground there, you know, no, after the whole... So far, nothing at all. Dalton Brosnan fiasco. No. I thought maybe... Perhaps the Brosnan thing is more White Dwarf and Dalton's more, you know, cool people playing Spectrums and Amigas. Mm. You didn't need to add the word cool in front of that, but okay, fine. So, into Severnaya walks Oromov and Onotop to take the Goldeneye. Yeah. And Onotop shoots everybody while orgasming. <sighs> You, again, you're beaming at that. I love it. People being murdered. I love it. Alex. She doesn't have the best lines, unfortunately. There's a point where I think she shoots someone with an AK-47 and goes, I just had to ventilate someone. She shoots the ventilation shaft. Right, that's so right. So that's with it. But even so... She doesn't... says, I just had to pull Vank. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that isn't a yeah, wank? No, right. no. Natalia... Makes it look like she's gone on the ventilation shaft. Mm. We meet Italia, we should say. Because mm. yeah. her real name is actually better than her name yeah. in the film. She's great. She hasn't been in much, has she? All she right. was in Reign of Fire. That's all I remember seeing her in. Was she in Reign of Fire? Yeah. That's a great film. It's an underappreciated Matthew film. Matthew McConaughey's best performance. Shaven-headed Matthew McConaughey Matthew. shooting Van dragons. Sant, yeah. There's a good scene in that where they act out The Empire Strikes Back for little kids, like it's an old folktale. Mm. But it's Christian Bale being very Cockney, which is very strange. I know he is English, but he's really putting it on in that and it's annoying he's Welsh isn't he well, yeah but he hasn't got a Welsh accent yeah he's, but you can't call a Welshman he's English not Jones the Batman <laughs> <laughs> but you can't go he's English when he's Welsh alright he's Welsh right. but he sounds like he's got a, a London accent that's right and he's uh, looking apart after... from when he's in character and being interviewed which is really annoying well if we're talking about accents look at this movie Goldeneye there are something I think Alan Cummings' accent is great. Yeah. Robbie Coltrane's is... Not I enjoy too, it. Yeah, not too bad either. Mini there, Driver. That is so weird, that mm. scene. And I, it, it's one of those scenes that takes you out of the movie because like, you sort of go, is that fucking Mini Driver? Yeah. Singing, damn boy, you're a man, yeah. like out of tune. And you're like... I mean, I don't know the timeline of Mini Driver because this, this is pre-Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Which is like, I think it was 96. Well, this is 95, so yeah. But you're just like... Why is Minnie Driver there in, like, for two seconds? I asked her on Twitter once, and you know what she said? What? Nothing. Oh. She didn't reply. Because oh, I'm this, and she's that. Again, people don't know what you just did, but it was big and small. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yes, then we're back with Bond and everybody back in Ooh, MI6. Before you go on, oh, yeah. are you accepting that ventilate joke is acceptable? Cause yeah. Fine. Right. It's not to... done very well, but it's an acceptable joke. Just had to ventilate someone. She says, like, you have to ventilate. The assumption being putting bullet holes in someone is ventilating them with their she blood. check if they were dead, though. Classic no. wrong thing to do. But no. it, does, it does pay off later quite nicely. Mm. We'll get there. So we're back to MI6, and at this point, the satellites all go out because they've, they've launched the GoldenEye. Mm -hmm. So all the screens go black. And at this point, M's... Yeah, we've, we've skipped over a bit earlier on, which we'll get to now, because mm. at this point, M hasn't told James to come back alive mm. he hasn't gone yet no we're all over the place it's because we drank a lot before we came <laughs> in um, so all the screens are black and then when they come back on they see that Severn and I have destroyed 
and yep. there must have been an EMP because there's no power. And the GoldenEye weapon is EMP, mm. which means a nuclear device goes off in space mm. and renders all electrical objects useless. Mm. M then realises that GoldenEye is real. According to Tina Turner's lyrics, GoldenEye is not a satellite, but, uh, I mean, in the film it is. Yeah, well, right. Tina Turner, I'm sorry, is not a scientist. No. Well, she might be, but she's been sent down the wrong track. Mm. We're in the 90s now, so Money Penny also before has to say about sexual harassment. Yeah, that's right. Important. It's it's a little blunter than the um, misogynistic dinosaur line. It's mm. sort of like I, I mean, we get it, you know. It's yeah. like you're a nineties man now, James. You should say, yeah, you can't go fondling my ass <laughs> without buying me a pint of beer first and watching football with me because it's the nineties. Yeah, the girly shows on, James. TFI Friday. Yeah, you want to eat a bowl of toenails <laughs> to get on telly. Anyway, so Natalia, she's stuck in there momentarily and then the dish comes through and leaves her a little ladder to get out. She gets away and Bond sees her walking off. Mm-hmm. So he knows there's one survivor. Well, he sees infrared. He doesn't know it's a her. But No, he assumes it's a her. Well, he's hoping it's a her. He knows the female form, even from millions of miles away. <laughs> from a vertical position in infrared, he can go, hot. Nice ass. <laughs> okay, now Bond goes to see Q. He does. And Q arrives looking like a Jim Henson creation, reading his lines off camera <gasps> terribly. It's so, it's so... I know he's very old. You're right. I, I agreed. Agreed. And he's, you know, he's a Bond legend, Desmond Llewellyn, a, a legend of the series, but they should have just put the boards in a different... Like, the idiot boards. So, the idiot boards is not me calling them an idiot. They're called idiot boards. They are called idiot boards. They're called yeah. idiot boards, but yeah. they are put positioned, and you can just see him reading over Pierce's shoulder the whole time. And Bond gets to see his BMW, because they since they brought Bond back, they've signed a three picture deal with BMW. Yeah, the Z3. So they've got the Z3 in this. Sexy car. It's nice, yeah. The next film they get a shit-looking saloon, but in this they get a Z3. She barely uses. Wait, yeah, but the the shit-looking saloon you can control remotely. Yeah, but you can't with a real BMW. Really? No. I think you can. Can you? Yeah, I mean, have you been on a boat? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Q's reading his eyes on camera and he looks like he's held together with wires. (laughs) And like every time he moves, dust is going to spit off of his head. Yeah. And then you get the good joke. Well, you get the man in the phone box first. And I'm wondering what happened there. Was he a racist? <laughs> Why did they make him go in the phone box? Because he didn't know about it. He just walked in and then it squished him. I always assumed he was testing it. What you think? He, he's, he's, you think it was a guy who thought, oh, bloody hell, they've ju- I've been waiting for them to put in a public telephone box. So I don't, because I don't know the code to get, use the, sh- the, the he, dial out line here in yeah. the office. Yeah. He shits himself when it starts squishing him. So I, I'm guessing he has no idea. And you're forgetting there was the wheelchair missile leg. Oh yeah, because he says hunting. Yeah. Because he really should be in a wheelchair. It's <laughs> accurate. Which ends with one of those jokes where you're like, do this quickly because... It is so painfully obvious what this joke is going to be. Please do, don't don't milk it. Where Bomb picks up the sandwich and goes, "What's this?" And he goes, "My lunch." <laughs> don't touch that. That's my lunch. Yeah, which is all right. At least he's not reading off fucking camera for once. <laughs> yeah, because it was actually his lunch. It was actually yeah. his lunch. His method. And then we meet Jack Wade, who's Joe Don Baker, who two films before this was the bad guy in a Bomb film. Oh my God! Living Daylights. Brad Whitaker. Yeah, he's yeah. the general with all his like military toys and everything. Yeah, Bond I... is a world of denial because people have been in Bond films more than once, but not usually as a bad guy and then a good guy. Although Sean Bean was once discussed as being Bond, and, was. and then by being 006, he ruled himself out of being 007. Yeah. Which is a shame, because I think he would have been a really... He'd have been like that sort of the mean streak of Daniel Craig's yeah, Bond. he would have been. He'd have been very good. Hmm. But then Pierce Brosnan was available. What are you going to do? And they turned him down. You know, they had to, well, he had to quit 
Remington Steel, yeah. yeah. But I think it all happened at the right time. You know, I mean, mm. The Living Daylights, I'm not a huge fan of that movie. No. In terms of the story. And if that had been his introduction as opposed to the movie we're talking about, I, I don't know that I would love Pierce. And indeed... Funnily enough, his Pierce would have been much. very good in The Living Daylights because it's got lots of quips in it that Dalton wasn't comfortable doing and Pierce would have been very good doing. I mean, how do you... Dis- why would you... And why are you defending Dalton then? On what level... I love if, Dalton. But on what level if he goes, yeah, there's too many jokes in this. He's awesome. I mean, I just, I remember watching that movie. Who's the, Yogi is the villain in that mm-hmm. movie, which is like too close to Yogi for me anyway. It's like, I'd never heard that name before. And I'm like, oh, John Glenn makes a cameo, doesn't he, in it though? In what? In The Living Daylights. John Glenn directed The Living Daylights. Oh, he did. I didn't know he made a cameo. Yeah, in the airport scene in Afghanistan, you see him in the background pushing a trolley through shot. Oh, right. I didn't mm. know that. I only know that because one of my friend's dads was like a massive like Bond fan, John Barry fan. Did he have his own podcast? No, he didn't. It wasn't anything like you. Did you and also, it? it was 1992. Well, he could have had a video <laughs> he could have sent to people in the post. I remember watching the set tape. On Laserdisc, no less. Really? I watched The Living Daylights, yeah. Wow. I never really understood how a Laserdisc could be so big and yet you needed two of them for a movie. Quite often had to swap sides, didn't you? Like mm. a record. Yeah. I've got loads of them at home. Laserdiscs? Yeah. Okay. Welcome to 2017. <laughs> so, yeah, then he flies and meets Jack Wade, who is like the new Felix... Who I enjoy. Why wasn't it Felix Leiter? Do you I guess know? They, I guess they just wanted to make a change and make everything a bit different for a new Bond, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, this, I know why. The I know why, because in the last one, Felix had his leg bitten off. Does he lose his whole leg? I thought he yeah, he loses his one leg. When's, what's, what's the last Bond movie, Felix Leiter? License Lighter, to Kill. Yes, Is to he a not shark. in any of the other ones after that? The one any... after License to Kill is Goldeneye. No, I know, but since... <laughs> yeah, well, they rebooted it with Casino Royale, where he's in it. Right. But before that, no. And he's got two legs. Yeah, I think so. He's sitting down, I don't know. He might be hopping at one point, I don't know. (laughs) Yes, he's got two legs. Okay, good. It's, um, is it Jeffrey Wright? Oh, yes, it is, yeah. It's his brother from Langley, all that business. Um, Yeah, so when they rebooted it, I guess they wanted to bring Felix back, but Mm. I guess they wanted to keep it mildly consistent. And you know what? There's there's another good example of why GoldenEye is so good, because Casino Royale is in the top three Bond movies of all time, and... That was Martin Campbell again, who yeah, directed this. Absolutely. Because he's a bloody genius when it comes to Bond. Who? Just don't give him a superhero movie. Yeah, don't. But he was good with Zorro. Good with Zorro? That's not a superhero movie, And really. Edge of Darkness is a great TV Edge series. Edge of Darkness. And the film I quite enjoyed, Mel Gibson. I thought that was pretty good. It was good. all right, even though he sounds right. like one of the um, Three yeah. Stooges. Yeah, just let's never talk about The Green Lantern. No. Because it was Everything's worse. bad in that. Or everything, though. But then we meet Jack Wade, and uh, there's a great line where Brosnan turns up, and again, this is subverting the we're not doing old spy films anymore. Because he turns up and says, in St. Petersburg, April is a spring month. Mm. And then he says, oh, yeah, what are you, the weatherman? Yeah. Which is quite funny. Which yeah. is saying, we're not doing spy films anymore. We're doing something new. Until Bond then puts a gun in him and goes, I'm going to need you to do the spy movie bit. Yeah, and, and then he has to show him his arse tattoo, yeah, which right. says Muffy. And then he says to him, as they leave, he says, Bond, do you do any gardening? Which I'm wondering is gay code. <laughs> Would you like to come to the bushes and see my trowel? <laughs> Turn the sprinkler on. What? Yeah. And then we cut to Natalia going to see a poor IBM man to trick him to using his computer to try and find Boris. Right, yeah. And she tells him she wants like 100 computers. Mm. So he's thinking, fucking yes. Yeah. 
Probably leaves his wife, buys a Ferrari, mm -hmm. bag of coke. Exactly, and I mean, you know, this is the new capitalist Russia, the Soviet Union is broken apart, and he's yeah. like, this is what it's all about, you know? I'm, I didn't think it was going to happen so fast, but mm -hmm. finally, mm -hmm. you know, I'm cashing that check. So he gives her a computer and a room to test it mm -hmm. privately for some reason. Doesn't question that. Yeah. And then she hooks up with Boris and finds out where he is. And he tells her to come and meet her at a church. Meanwhile, IBM man, after spending all his cash and sniffing half a ton of coke up his beak, <laughs> pokes his nose in and says, is everything all right? And she says, everything except the interruption. So he runs off thinking, well, hey, singing, we're in the money in Russian. And then she buggers off. Poor man. It's a victim. Yeah. You kind of almost want a scene where somehow Bond sort of gives him some money. You know, like the bit in Oceans 13 where yeah. they punish that guy, the hotel, the hotel reviewer, reviewer. Yeah. and then at the end, Brad Pitt makes him win like millions in the airport. You're like, mm -hmm. you kind of want at the very end, the guy, the satellite dish, like sort of that whole facility to become. Or they post him, then you're on top's corpse. <laughs> I mean, as in him losing the biggest computer deal in the world isn't enough, you're now calling him a necrophile. <laughs> Well, if what, the name because, fits. Because all computer salesmen are necrophiles. Yep. Yep, good. Give, it, give your dog a bad name. <laughs> give your dog a bone. Wait, I'm sh look, look, I'm looking for a skeleton joke here. Ghost. Ghost in the machine. Oh, there we go. So then we meet, then Bond goes to see uh, Valentine, yeah. Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane. Then with Mini Driver. We were with Mini Driver earlier. singing badly, and he's all like, girl, oh, you gave me this limp. Yeah. He says, my knee aches. Yeah. He's yeah. good, though. He's great. And he says about the helicopters, I've got six helicopters. And he says, three, only one that flies. It's a good line. And it's a great line. Yes, and then he says, I want you to set me up with Yanis, who is the big crime boss in Russia. Yeah. Who we, we later find out is going to be seen Bean. Mm -hmm. And um, he says, all right, well, what's in it for me? And he gives him this deal. And in the meantime, we cut back to Bond having a swim in his hotel. Mm -hmm. In comes Zenya. Mm. Tries again to kill him with her thighs. I love that. Quite a fragile, not a vulnerable thing, sort of swimming. And his ears are in the water, and yet at no point do you doubt that he is completely aware of his surroundings. Yeah. And I wish I could do that. I failed my 25-metre swimming test because I was convinced there was a shark in the swimming pool, so oh, I climbed out. breakthroughs from you coming through today. <laughs> Is this not therapy? No, it feels no. like it. Though. Yeah, it does. I'm You're sorry confessing about that. a lot. I watched Jaws when I was five years old. It changed everything. I've never been in the sea since. But yeah, and I love a sauna fight. It feels <clears> like <throat> a sauna fight, although it's just a swimming pool. It's kind of got that red heat sauna fight vibe, yes. which I really like. Or, homoerotic. Yeah, a little yeah, bit, except yeah. obviously not in this case. Not but the red case. heat one is very, very homoerotic. homoerotic. Yeah, got tiny towels on. Tiny towels going under them. And Arnie um, still looked beautiful. He does. Well, beautifulish. Anyway, uh, Bond says, no, 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 no more safe sex, which is, again, very, we're in the 90s now. We're talking about safe sex. In fact, I expected Fred Brewster from the condom advert with, <laughs> with Geronimo to come out. <laughs> I had to look up his name, sorry. I did love Fred Brewster and his Geronimo. Not a day goes by where I don't think about Fred Brewster's wisdom. Because he says, it was like having a bath with your socks on. But it never stopped me, no way. Everybody who doesn't remember Fred Brewster, <laughs> just look up... Uh, what a reference. Just look up uh, Fred Brewster, condom advert, 90s. Or something. Um, it used to be on the cinema, probably around the time this film was out. Yeah. They were I, all I, too aware of Fred Brewster. He's probably long dead now. Hopefully not of AIDS. <laughs> that would be awful. Stop. Stop. So, yes, then uh, he takes, she takes him to see 006 and he gives her that rabbit punch you mentioned earlier. Or judo chop. And then we find out, oh my God, Yanis is 006, Alec Trevelyan with a facial scar mm. because he's now Yanis, the two-faced god. 
Oh, is that where he gets his that's name from? His that's name not from. mentioned in the movie, though. Did he you does. Just... He says it. He says, oh, Yanis, the two-faced god. Oh. And then he said, yes, and you gave me this scar. Because he set the timers to three minutes. Right, yeah. And I'll I... tell you, fuck off. You were dead, yep. right? And if anything, 006 should be annoyed that Bond let him get shot in the head. Never mind get blown up. No, because, no, he's, he encourages Bond. He goes, look, I'm, you know, I'd rather die here. Mm. You know, for England, James. But you were dead. Why are you angry with me for making True. the bombs shorter? True. And then Bond goes to shoot him and he gets shot with a... T- Trank. Tranquilizer dark, yeah. obviously. I think Sean Bean is uh, is right to be angry with Bond. I think, you're, I think, you know, you're giving him a hard time for sort of being angry after he thought Bond thought he was dead because, you know, he had a plan and his plan wasn't to have a facial scar. Yeah, I know, but he was dead. So how's Bond... If he sat up and said, look, leave the time for six, I'm not dead. <laughs> All right. But he was dead. So what is he supposed to do? And anything, uh, Bond should have said to him, how can you be Yanis? You're Sean Bean and you're not dead. Because yeah. he dies in every film, isn't he? But then, sure, doesn't he give that speech about all those regimes we toppled, all those dictators we killed? Because he yells Cossack. That's right. Yeah. Which I really didn't really understand for a while until it was explained thoroughly to me who they were. Yanis Cossack. They sided with the Nazis in yeah. World War Two. yeah. And then the British handed them over to the Russians. Mm-hmm. Terrible business. That's yeah. And we find out. You that- think you'd check though if you were employing someone for the secret service, they must have far more stringent checks than going. They knew. He says that Bond says, "How did the government know that they weren't Cossacks?" And he said, "They knew." Oh, they did know. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. And then he says the great line: "While your parents had the luxury of dying in a climbing accident." I'd be like, all right, mate, that's my mum and dad. Yeah, also, what sort of luxury holiday is that? Exactly, how's that a luxury of dying at all? First two days, you'll spend in a spa. Second day, you'll be on a skidoo going across a glacier. Third day, climbing death. Luxury package. So, yeah, then, as you say, Bond's about to shoot him and then gets tranked. That's right. And then wakes up in the helicopter. Which is the most... (laughs) I mean, again, this predates, like, Austin Powers by, what, a couple of years at Mm. least. But you are sort of going... So you've decided to kill him by locking him in a helicopter that then launches its missiles, which then turn around in midair and fly back towards the helicopter, blowing it up. Mm. And that's your plan. Well, I guess they want you to just want you just can hear like Seth Green go, just give me a gun. I'll go in there and I will shoot them now. <laughs> but I guess in Alex's defense, they wanted to make it look like Bond was involved in stealing the helicopter. So if they find a blown up helicopter that's been mm. stolen with Bond in it. Okay, so in terms of the puns, we were talking about the puns in this mm. movie and what are good puns and what are bad puns, yeah. you know, pulling wank. Pulling wanks, <laughs> Great yeah. joke. Yeah. Uh, now I get it. Yeah. Uh, but the pun in the helicopter where he goes, he goes, I'm a little tied up at the moment. Yeah, it's unnecessary. But I'm... Sh- I cannot believe that 17 Bond movies in, that that joke hasn't been used before. Yeah. It feels you've ha- they've done that before, mm-hmm. but they haven't. No. Because they wouldn't repeat it. And no. then he smashes his face off the ejector seat. Yeah, which is a strange place to put an ejector button, right by your head. Yeah. What if someone said, look at that lovely mountain over there, and you turn around <laughs> and then shot you both out of the top of the helicopter? I mean, I, again, let me prefix this mm-hmm. by, with saying I don't know whether this is an urban myth that has uh, oh got out of hand. A Sky News presenter was interviewing someone about helicopters and the number of troops that were being killed in mm-hmm. helicopters. They said to uh, the aviation expert they had on, they were like, it, it, a lot of troops dying in helicopters. And, you know, I mean, the big question right now that I'm going to ask you is, why don't they put ejector seats in helicopters? And this guy just was silent and went, 
well, the risk of death is far greater <laughs> with an ejector seat in a helicopter. So why does it have an ejector seat in the first place? Helicopters don't have ejector seats because they have these things called blades. Yeah, but these blades shoot out before the ejector seat comes off, which when you're flying would probably be quite detrimental to a helicopter, wouldn't it? The ones in the Tiger Eurocopter. Yeah, when he presses the ejector seat, the blades shoot out oh. and then the ejector seat flies up in the air. Which works when you're landed, but when you're in the middle of air, surely that would just... Yeah, but if you're ejecting in the first place, then I think your last worry is like, I hope mm. I don't get a scratch on this. Yeah, true. It always reminds me of the Die Hard 2 bit, where oh, Bruce yeah. Willis in the ejector seat, where... When the grenades suddenly take about 15 seconds to go off. Yeah. Yeah. And when a jumbo jet has an ejector seat. Yeah, it does. It's a Hercules, isn't it? Oh, it is a Hercules. Yeah. But even so, I'm pretty sure they don't have ejector seats. Well, we'll find out. Someone will get in touch. Yeah, I hope they do. Listeners are very good at that. So Bond and Natalia are taken by the Russians to meet Defence Minister Mishkin, who earlier, Oromov has told, there was only one survivor. And then Mishkin said, no, there were two. That's right. Yeah, that's completely screwed him up. And Oromov really fails to hide his distress at he that. He does, he does. It's like, you're thinking, if you've got this far, you've stolen a helicopter, you've got control of Goldeneye, you've blown up a facility. When someone goes, yeah, there were two survivors, you wouldn't go, what? Yeah, like, yeah. in the middle of a room with 20 people looking at it. He's like, oh, no, this has really screwed up my plans. With one of the people in the cabinet being Michael G. Wilson, the Bond producer. Is that right? One of his cameos. He likes to cameo in all of them. Did not know that. Yeah. I've met him. I bet you have. Very nice man. I bet he is. Mm. He should start writing the films again. He used to. That's right, he did. So, uh, Mishkin finds out from Natalia that Oromov was behind the Serenaya plot mm. and that there was another satellite, which Oromov told him earlier expressly there was not. That's right. So Mishkin's pissed off. And Oromov comes in looking like he's been drinking all day long. Mm. He's unkempt, his yeah. buttons are undone on his shirt and he's sort of waddling around the place going, do you know who the enemy is? Yeah. And anyway, he kills Mishkin with Bond's gun takes the bullets out, gives it back to Bond, and then says, James Bond killed Defence Minister trying to escape. And then Bond manages to get out of there by smacking him into a wall. Doesn't he have a hip flask as well, Oromov? He really he does. He, he has does. a hip flask, a flask a lot. And I think as mm. the movie goes on, he drinks more and more because he's yeah. getting more and more stressed. Very Which, stressful job. I mean, a hugely stressful job. Being in the military in the first place and then betraying the military. I mean, that is a hip flask moment. It is. Which is the tagline for my new hip flask advert campaign. Sponsoring Sky Premier. <laughs> So Bond and Natalia run out, and again we're treated to this uh, one of the levels from the computer game in the archives. Um, That's and a great level as well. Great level that one. So Bond and, and Natalia get out, and this is great because at this point the producers and the makers of the film were like, "Fuck you, Eric Serra, your score is dog shit." And they brought in John Altman, who then from this point onwards, up until the end of the tank chase, scores the film. Suddenly you get you go from this clanking mechanical score uh. to an actual orchestra. And you get the Bond theme every five seconds. Because they, the, the bit he did, if you listen to it, look it up on YouTube. It's Eric Serra. It's called A Drive Through St. Petersburg. And it's him doing the Bond theme on a synthesizer. It's dreadful. So, yeah, John Altman steps in at the last minute to compose a sequence. Uh-huh. So during the bit where Natalia gets taken, Bond jumps out of the window, gets in the tank, and then you have the tank chase. You get this Bond theme. Which is... One of the best stunts in a bomb movie. The whole tank chase is great. They filmed it. I mean, they they didn't film it in St. Petersburg, did they? They filmed a lot of it in St. Petersburg. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, but most of it was um, filmed at Leavesden Studios. The home of Harry Potter now. Where I'm from. Not Leavesden, I'm from Watford. Slightly insulting when I go there, and it says Leavesden Studios London, or Warner Brothers Studios London. No, it's Watford, mate. Have you been to the Harry Potter tour? It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I was from Watford, not there now. I used to drive past every now and then and I'd see stuff going on at Leavesden. Like, I remember seeing the Sleepy Hollow windmill. 
But anyway, yeah. this was just done in Leeson, but a lot of it, yeah, the tank chase, a lot of it was done in St. Petersburg. I which seems it. incredible now. What to think about them shooting actually in Russia? In Russia, yeah. yeah. I think the tank chases are really. I mean, not only because of the like the bit where it smashes through the wall and awesome, and the bit where he does his tie at the end. Like yes. the whole thing is very bond. And the fact that he's in a suit, looking badass, driving a tank, mm. is incredible. But mainly because, like, so often Bond is like in a chase situation. He's in the lesser vehicle, the two CV at the start of For Your Eyes Only, mm-hmm. or the bit when the Spy Love Me, where he's in a car but they got a helicopter. Yeah. Or the bit where he's on a skateboard. And or an like... octopusy where he's in a tuk-tuk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's just good to see him like having the bigger vehicle. Living daylights and... in a cello case. Right. I mean, but the, this is why it's a, a brilliant example. And also, when was the last time, before or after Goldeneye, that you've seen a car chase involving a tank? No, I can't no? think of one. I think there might be one in The Expendables. But, oh, the, the A-Team movie, and when it was falling out of a plane, it was dreadful. That is a great moment in that movie. That is the best moment in that movie because there's a scene in that movie where they start firing the gun to try and direct the tank. Mm-hmm. People sometimes forget that some of the when something really ridiculous is going on uh, in an action sequence, you need a reaction. Like you need someone to sort of go, "This is ridiculous." And there's a bit where it cuts back to the the control room and they're watching this, and uh, the A team are firing the gun, and one guy goes, "What are they doing?" And Jessica Biel goes, I think they're trying to fly the tank. And Mm. it's just a killer line. That's a good movie. And the 3D gag where the van comes through the wall. In fact, that's a great movie. I really like the 18 movie. I'm sorry. I I think Charlotte Copley is a great Murdoch. Bradley Cooper as Faceman is brilliant. And Patrick Wilson is one of the finest actors working today. He's great. And makes for a super villain. And I think it's a great film. Come on, then, what? Well, I didn't like it, sorry. Why? It wasn't very good. Anyway. Yep. Yes, yeah, so the Bond's chasing him in a tank, and then they eventually make their escape to uh, Alex's bullet train thing, Russian that, train thing. Again. That's, not a bullet train. No, it's not a bullet train. It's a Japanese train. Yeah, it's a big armoured train. But Soviet it, train. it looks like Darth Vader. I don't like the fact he has a train. I like the fact he's sort of in a dining car on a train, like mm. when Bond meets him. Mm. But I just think a train is like the worst mode of transport if you're a supervillain. It's like, where is he going to be? Somewhere on these tracks. I think you like trains on the top. She says, he's trying to derail us. <laughs> gets all sexually excited again. Yeah, she does. She likes it being killed, I think. But I love the fact that she it's unspecified what it is that actually sexually excites her. You know what she loves, don't you? Definitely. And I know you're not going to want to think about this now, but it's true. Autoerotic asphyxiation. Why would you say that and prefix it with, I know you don't think about this right now, because obviously... Because you were thinking about the thigh thing earlier mm-hmm. and, and you liked the idea of her being sexually excited about shooting people. Right, but so far, she like what gets her aroused is crushing men between her thighs, yeah. shooting ventilation shafts for people in them and being derailed so in a train. Pot- I mean, potentially being killed. Right. That but, gets her excited. But I just... But you don't know that. It's specifically... She likes being on a train that could be derailed. I mean, that is... That makes me think she likes the risk of death. And what's sexually linked to the risk of death, apart from dogging in Afghanistan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Uh, weather's always nice, though. Well, yeah, it's always sunny. You know, you're not in a... It's always sunny in Afghanistan. <laughs> you're not in a drizzly car park in Hull, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine, yeah. Although Leighton Buzzard, apparently, is the uh, pinnacle of dogging in the UK. Is that right? I saw a newspaper article about mm-hmm. it. I uh, know, but look it up. Look up Leighton Buzzard and Dogging. 
No. No, go on. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I've already... <laughs> the article actually goes into details about where and when it happens. I don't want my. T- I don't want the two things that I've looked up in this meeting, in case anyone looks up my internet history, to be John Michael Vincent with one leg and dogging in Leighton Buzzard. It could be connected. Although they are both things, then you're on the top and go, oh, I find that arousing. Imagine if he turned up in Airwolf and Leighton Buzzard to go dogging. <laughs> Your phone history would be vindicated. <laughs> Well, he was just looking up where he's going to be for public appearances. Hey, I wonder if you could have got in the 80s John Michael Vincent to open your school fate. I bet you could. Do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. Who would would have been the British equivalent in the 80s, do you think? Of John Michael Vincent? Well, I don't think there was one. All the great shows were American, you know, Mm. Airwolf, Street Hawk, Knight Rider. The A-Team. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know, Giant Haystacks. (laughs) Tommy Cannon? Yeah, (laughs) Not even both of them, though. No, you wouldn't have been able to afford. No, not both. Well, maybe they came as a pair. Go back to dogging again. <laughs> um, so anyway, Bond shoots the tank at the train, and it does indeed derail. Derail the train, yeah. Whilst blowing up the tank. And Bond gets on the train, and then we have the great confrontation. Some of the best dialogue yep. in the movie in this scene. Mm-hmm. It's the bit where, where he describes Bond's funeral is like so good, where he goes, there'd only be money penny and a few tearful restaurateurs in attendance and you're like that is a great line just because it paints such a i mean it it sort of gives you this insight into bond and paints such a tragic picture of what his life is actually like so you know it makes his misogyny forgivable well it's basically saying that bond's life is flirting hopelessly with money penny and eating in restaurants which almost is a a hair's breadth away from wanking with pot noodles (laughs) i mean that's what he's saying you have a very tragic life God. And um, oh, so, yeah. So, if you finish the pot noodle, like before you finish the. I don't know where that was going. I was just. I was thinking of like. Are you worried about the, the, the transference of the smell or residue? I just. I, you if know. If you use a fork, it's not going to happen, is it? I just. I worry. I'm not really great at eating and masturbating simultaneously. Depends what you're eating, though. It could be a sandwich. That's my lunch, Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> So you've gone full circle there. <sighs> Anywho, what happens now is Oromov comes in with Natalia. Yeah. And Bond does the line, go on, kill her. She means nothing to me. She gets a bit upset by that. As you would. As you would. But then, because it looks like Alex holding all the... Cards. Cards. Thank you. I couldn't no, do it. No worries, because he does the... that the moment yeah, where he does... situation, he... impossible. Yeah. And uh, hopeless, he says, sorry. And then Bond brings out the uh, ace... To say, what's it like working for a Cossack? And Oromov's like, hang on, didn't know you were a Cossack. Yeah, he doesn't have very long to mull over that point. And then Trevelyan says, what's more important, that tomorrow, this time tomorrow, we'll be richer than God. But Bond lays it on thick and says, he's Elian's Cossack. Is it true? And then he uses the disruption to, you know, and then Oromov's gone. Take out Oromov. I know, and in a movie with such great deaths, Oromov's death is slightly disappointing. It is. Everybody gets a really good death apart from Oromov. Everybody gets a really good death. And he just sort of... Even the Admiral. That's that. fucked to death. I mean, you... I mean... I can't breathe. (laughs) Yeah, it's a... The better if Oromov got bummed to death by a donkey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, while well, he was watching some dogging in Leighton Buzzard. <laughs> With Jack Michael, Michael Vincent's donkey. Jack Michael Vincent on the back of a donkey with his one leg. <laughs> Laura Mom's being bummed to death. Saying, you can't win. Yeah, because he just sort of gets yeah, shot and then that's, that's it. And he's flops gone. out, that's it. 
It's a bit sad. It is sad. It is sad. Because he's only in the film for a little bit. If you were to edit together all these scenes, it wouldn't make for a very long thing. No. He's so good. Mm. I, mean, cause, I mean, although we're going to get to it, we haven't got there yet, but mm. but between Xenia, Boris and Alec Trevelyan, when we get to their deaths, I mean, those are some... If we're ever going to get to that, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> There's some kick-ass deaths. Though. There are some really good ones. I mean, every, well, as we said, everybody gets a good death. Mm. Oromov doesn't. But it's testament to how good he was that you... Think of that. Mm, he's a great character. Mm. Uh, best movie death ever? Oh, God. I've got asking. one for oh, this. Go on, go so on. it's a loaded question. I wouldn't ask it if I didn't okay, have one. Okay. Uh, best movie death ever? Uh, Deep Blue Sea, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, the bit yeah. where he gets his arm bitten off by a shark, then he gets put on a stretcher. The stretcher, <laughs> the winch goes wrong and he gets dropped into a shark tank where the shark grabs him and he's still alive because he's got the oxygen mask on. Yeah. shark grabs him and uses him to batter through the glass screen, yeah. at which point the water floods in, everyone else escapes, and he's left in that room. You never see whether the shark eats him or not, but you've got to imagine the shark didn't eat him. Mm. And then he just is lying there underwater waiting for his oxygen to run out before he drowns yeah. that's a movie death that's pretty good I can't think of any that good okay I've seen a lot of death of course you have of course I have it's a strange time to be alive yeah yeah so then Trevelyan locks the train and says to Bond and Natalia mm. I'm going I'm giving you the same six minutes you gave me <laughs> which, we all know. Yeah. which we know is three minutes yeah. but I don't think Bond needs to verbalise that but I'm pretty no. sure he does he does yeah, yeah. he goes she says what do you mean and he says we've got three yeah. minutes yeah. And then she immediately gets in Boris's chair on his computer and says, I'm going to spike him, because this is what he does earlier. You forgot to mention that. Mm. She says, he's not in blah, 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 blah. And then she yeah. says, he's in Cuba. Because the line, like the Indiana Jones plane, goes across the oh, screen. Oh, and this is when she's like, oh, it's one of his stupid passwords. And she says, you can sit on it, but you can't take it with you. And before she's finished saying that, Bond goes, chair! <laughs> yeah. That's a shit password, though. That's <laughs> not what I would have thought. I would have thought, inter- you know, arse... <laughs> Yeah, colon. It just feels like no, it feels right. like a riddle that doesn't work. It's like a bench that's welded to in the middle of a park. <laughs> Chair wouldn't be immediately what I thought, but he does. So it's testament <laughs> to him. And he uses his laser watch thing, which doesn't. I think the optical of the laser doesn't quite match up. But we will we'll skip over that. Yeah, but he that's burns like... a hole in the floor. They get out. Yep. and they run. Mm. Train blows up, and they know where Boris is. Cuba. Cuba, as they say. Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> And then when she says, I can I can spike him, right? I must say, I've written down here. Bond looks at her like she's telling him about the current top ten of the pop chart. Because <laughs> it's like the internet's a newish thing. Although that said, in terms of the internet and the way it's represented, this is what? This is 1995. Mm-hmm. I'd argue that the internet scenes and the use of the internet movie has dated far better than a lot of movies Swordfish. from a similar era. Because if you watch The Net... I mean, Sandra Bullock, Ooh, it, good, it's, yeah. it's one of those movies where you go, this is so awful. Mm. Like, I think there's a, like a pizza website at one yes. point she clicks on yes. the pizza thing. Anyway, yeah, I think the internet in this has done well. It is, it's For 1995. Bad. It's up there with like Jurassic Park and stuff. Right. You know, it's not offensively mm-hmm. dated. It's fine. Yeah, and in many ways, Boris is the... Uh, what is it? Nedry character from yeah. Jurassic Park. Uh, uh, uh. No. Uh, uh. Yeah, Newman. Newman, um, not Nedry. Yeah, no, it was Nedry, but he's Newman in Seinfeld. So I was right. Yeah. Go me! Yeah, you were right. Yeah, you, you, you should be happy. Anyway, mm. so Bond and Natalia go to Cuba, and then Jack Wade turns up in his plane and says, this lovely BMW 
you've been paid to feature in your film. Can I have it now and drive it off? Mm. Yes, you can, because we're going to have your plane and we're going to fly and find this thing. One of the few Bond cars that makes it to the end of the movie without being destroyed. That's very true, Mm. but it doesn't really get used either. No, it does. I think think the story was that the deal, pre-picture deal with BMW, happened so late that Martin Campbell was like, well, we just didn't have time to write in any stuff and we weren't going to rewrite stuff where we were going to use the Stinger missiles and everything just because they'd done the deal. Mm. But it is a sexy car. It is. So Bond and Natalia get in the plane and they fly off to find this satellite dish in Cuba, which Jack Wade tells them isn't there. Mm. But if they needed help, he'll be there with the Marines. So they fly off and then they're basically given up. She's basically like, well, there's nothing here, let's go. And then they shoot them down. So that is the... Be- I'm so pleased you mentioned that because yeah. you're like, the whole point is it's a secret base yes. under a lake. And they've given up. Yeah. They, were, they don't know that, but they shoot them down, they crash, they're knocked out, and then Xenia comes down, hmm. beats the shit out of both of them, but then Bond shoots the helicopter, she gets and straps her onto the helicopter's... No, she was already strapped onto her. Oh, she was already she? strapped yeah. on. Yeah. But he straps something onto her, doesn't he? And then shoots the helicopter. Maybe she unhooks herself. Yeah, and, and then the helicopter zooms off, pulls her up, and she gets crushed to death on the tree. And then he does the great line. He goes, she always liked a good squeeze. She does very well. Mm. Not as good as that. Thanks. Uh, no, I'm a fan of that joke. Just mm. Again, let me, let me just be clear with the jokes thing. I think there were some great jokes in here. I just think there are some terrible jokes in here as well. We're, we f- I forgot to mention it during the helicopter bit. This is an example where you just sort of go, doesn't need a joke, doesn't need a pun here. When they eject a seat out of the helicopter and then land and then Bond goes, the things we do for frequent flyer mileage. The hell is... How is that? That doesn't even qualify as a joke on the most basic level. And also, what? what, Shut up. Shut up, James. Mm. That's that's one of the bad ones. Yes, you're right. So, yeah, Xenia's dead. And then Bond and Don't Natalia... Don't say it like that. Right, then Don't take away. any pleasure in that. That's. I mean, in many ways, pretty sure that's how she would have wanted to go. Because mm. she does die, but she seems to be simultaneously orgasming as she dies. She quite liked it. I think it's what she would have wanted. And as you said, she always did like a good squeeze. Mm, she did, yeah. You know, if you can't... If you, if you deed out, you have to take it. So they then go into the uh, satellite, fuck everything up. Yep. Bond has his pen... Which we meant to tell earlier, Q oh. gave him his gadget pen. Yeah. Which you click three times, wasn't it? Three times and it sets off a grenade. Yeah. Yeah. So Boris is there. Natalia and Bond have split up. Natalia's reprogrammed the satellite. Mm. So it's going to burn up on re-entry. And Bond has basically allowed himself to be caught to let Natalia do this. Mm-hmm. So then they catch Natalia and they realise that everything's fucked. And, and so Alec puts a gun to Bond's head and says, I'm going to shoot him. And she gets to do the line again. He means nothing to me. He looks a bit upset about that. Yeah, well, and that's great. It's that sort of, you know, it's gender politics, it's parity. Mm-hmm. It's more prevalent now than ever if many, in many ways. GoldenEye was an incredibly forward-thinking film. You know, it used the internet. Mm-hmm. It did bungee jumping before bungee jumping was big. And also, worth pointing out, everyone goes, uh, I mean, I don't know how you feel about Skyfall, but a lot of people think Skyfall... It's the greatest Bond movie ever. It's like, just because it was the biggest, people are like, oh, Skyfall, Skyfall, oh, Skyfall, Mm. I love Skyfall. Mm. Skyfall's best card that it has is a complete steal from Goldeneye, which is the idea of Javier Bardem previously having been an MI6 agent and then deciding to work against them because he doesn't like them anymore, which is exactly what Sean Bean is in Goldeneye. Mm -hmm. Da-da-da-da-da. That's why Skyfall's good, because it steals from Goldeneye, which is actually a better film. Yeah. 
I agree. It's a good thesis. Thank you. No, I agree. I, agree. I, I know that no one can see the way you looked at me then, but I think it was the first time in this podcast that you've uh, looked at me with respect. No, absolutely. Mm. It's grown. Uh, it's a grower, not a shower. Um, so Wait, is that a line in the movie? <laughs> it might be. But the one, when they do capture Natalia, I must say, that she, she's fucking with the computers. Guards come in, grab her, and then they allow her to sort of break away from them and press send. Yeah. I wouldn't have let that happen. No. That's but slack. It's 1995. They don't really understand the internet at this point. So but is it a good idea to have petrol everywhere? No, they There's do. There's petrol everywhere in this place. Yeah. Tanks of it. Tanks of petrol and liquid nitrogen. And liquid nitrogen. Yeah, I mean, the whole place is... It's, it's a health and safety nightmare. So the retro rockets are firing, which obviously, you know, you probably don't know about them. A hipster thing. Mm. Retro. <laughs> um, and, uh, so then everything goes tits up, basically. Everything starts blowing up because Boris starts clicking at the pen as he does. Mm. And as he reaches the three clicks, Bond whacks it out of his hand into the petrol that's everywhere, mm. literally dripping all around them. Explosions, nightmares. In fairness, I just want to—I I want to give a little bit of respect to the facility designer. You failed to mention that the petrol isn't just a wash on the floor all the time. Bond has like kicked it over earlier. Well, like, it's got bullet holes in it, hasn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah it's got bullet holes in it, but it, it wasn't designed that petrol was just splash, oh, no, 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 no. sloshing around no. on the floor. This, no, no. this is something that has happened as a result of gunfire. Yes, I Good. should say that. I Sorry. just. I just don't want I don't want someone out there who designed that facility to go, you know, I really I really feel bad about leaving all that petrol on the floor as part of the design. Fair enough, that's Good. true. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah, so it's leaking. Good. I should say leaking. Yeah, it's leaking petrol. So it blows up and by this point 006 knows everything's fucked. But he leaves Boris to fix it and Boris says, I can fix it and he puts a man on Boris and says, Don't if he moves, shoot him. Mm-hmm. So Boris is really, you know, has to concentrate. So in the meantime, it's Bond, a high pressure situation. Bond and Natalia get in a lift and leave. Mm. 006 chases after Bond. Then we get this great satellite dish run, which is from the game, very hard level, but good because you get the good machine guns. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Bond and 006 have a really good close quarters fight. A, but actually, a proper good fight. Inspired, really? weirdly enough, it was inspired by the him, uh, the Bond and Red fight from from Russia with Love. Absolutely, yeah. And it's cool. It's really good. Really well choreographed. Yep. Lots of <laughs> sounds as they're hitting each other. Which yeah, is and good. also that's why Alec Trevelyan was such a good foe because, like, you know, you think about Bond villains and some of them, like, uh, even in The Spy Love Me, what's his name? The guy with the underwater base. I can't remember his name. Oh, um... Fuck, I've forgotten now. Yeah, so him, yeah. he's like, he's an old man, like, and mm. he has to have shit like... Stromberg. Stromberg! Yeah. Well done. He has to have that, like a secret gun under a table and stuff to kill him, whereas Alec Trevelyan is Bond's equal. Like, he, you know, he can go up against him in a fight. But if this was a Simpsons episode, mm. right, the real hero here is an iron pole, because Bond gets a pole and sticks it in the mechanisms of the satellite dish, yep. which causes it to get stuck and makes it all blow up. So in actual fact, at the end of the film, we should hold up that iron pole. <laughs> Say thank you very much. You've saved the day. But we're not going to do that. It's a Bond film. It's not a 00 pole film. Um, so yeah, the, 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 he thinks 006 is dead. Well, he doesn't think he's dead. He shoots him, then he goes to follow him. And in the meantime, Natalia gets off the dish. Is this the bit, though? I'm pretty sure it's during, before they have the fist fight, when Alec Trevelyan is shooting at Bond. There is one of those moments where you just sort of, you're taken out of the movie because you're like, realism is dead. And it's the bit where he fires a machine gun at him and, like, Bond is only behind a chain-link fence. Yeah. And you literally, like, go, 
what, what, it's a chain link fence and all the bullets just hit the little bits of the chain and didn't pass through the massive holes. Yeah, and there's also a stunt there that takes me out of it because it looks like it really fucking hurts where a man does a forward leap down some really mm. harsh looking stairs and lands on all of them. Yep. must have hurt. Yeah. But Bond carries on, uh, you know, regardless, he carries on. And uh, yeah, then him and Alec have the final confrontation where he says, I was always better than you. But Bond has a card up his sleeve. Hmm knocks down the latch, falls down the ladder to mm. that little bit from the end of the game, mm. which was a fucking nightmare because if you didn't get it right, you'd have to start it all over again. That's what a game should be. A game should be tough. That was really tough, that last really level. Really tough. Really tough. So him and Alec are there, and then the helicopter comes to take Alec away because he's about to kick Bond off of the platform. But oh no, Natalia's on there. This is enough to distract Alec. Bond kicks him off, but catches his foot. And then he utters the immortal line again. For England, James? And he says... No. For me. And drops him. Yeah. And he falls a fuck of a long way and then and survives. doesn't die. Yeah. yeah, he's all like, you see, that's a good death. It's not the greatest death in the movie. It's a good death in the movie where he's still alive. And I think he, he sort of turns his head slightly with blood all out of his yeah. face. And he's all a bit like, ah. And then they drop the satellite dish on him. Pointy bit first. Pointy bit first. Yeah. And then everything blows up. Boris, at this point, we cut to Boris thinking, oh shit, everything's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Everything explodes. Mm -hmm. But he sits down, oh, sorry, he stands up. Yeah. He's the last man alive. I'm invincible. And then the liquid nitrogen explodes, freezes him like a popsicle. A fab. A fab, yeah. Mm -hmm. Bond keeps in his Aston Martin cooler. Exactly. And, uh, and that's good. I think uh, liquid nitrogen deaths are great. There's that one, and obviously three liquid nitrogen deaths stick in my mind. Boris in, obviously, Goldeneye that we're yeah. talking about right now. Uh, Wesley Snipes at the end of Demolition Man, mm -hmm. where he freezes, and then Sylvester Sloan kicks his head off. And a slightly more obscure one, which is Jason X, where um, Jason, yeah, mm. Gets the girl, puts her face in liquid nitrogen, yeah, so it freezes, lifts her up, and then smashes it into a thousand pieces on the counter. It's a good one. It's I was going to say, one. doesn't someone in The Rock get liquid nitrogen as well? Don't think so. No, the, the, the Rock is the one where he gets the the gas capsule in his mouth, and uh, then he makes him chew the VX gas capsule. Yeah. Which is really dark, but really... Well, there's Terminator 2 as well, but that's not technically a person who no. doesn't die. But and also any of these deaths that we've just recounted would all turn on Xenia on the top. They would. She would be like, "Oh gosh, yeah, yeah." So ne nearly did an orgasm sound into your microphone. I'm not sure whether that was a permissible thing on the we'll, show. We'll keep it, and I'll have it for my own leisure. <laughs> so then Bond and Natalia are reunited in a field, which they think were there by themselves, and they're just and he pretends to be ill. Uh, Ill, it hurt. <laughs> he isn't. Oh, got cold. <laughs> And him and Natalia are about to get it on when Jack Wade turns up like a dogging... Fresh from Leighton Buzzard. <laughs> I was just in my Citroen. How's it going? And uh, then it turns out... Jan, was... Jan! Jan, Michael Vincent, come over here. You're going to love this. Bring Airwolf, which is his dick. <laughs> and um, and the Ernest Borgnines, which are his balls. And, um, and then it turns out loads of Marines are hiding there, which is a very good little thing. Mm. And they all stand up. And, and then he says... In many ways... I mean, the perfect dogging uh, yes, like situation. Yes. It's like you had no idea they were there. Yeah. And he says, why don't you two go and debrief at Guantanamo? Which now has got a real dark thing to it because we know a lot of torture went on there. So mm. I was thinking like sexy waterboarding. <laughs> but then it was more innocent, obviously. James, it's me, Natalia. It's not Xenia. I'm not into this fucking freaky shit. <laughs> 
He's still going to think of it, though, isn't he? And I'm wearing a cardigan, for fuck's sake. And then we get the awful end song by Eric Serra called The Experience of Love, which is horrible. Oh, I stopped when it wasn't Goldeneye. It's horrible. But there we go, there's Goldeneye. The greatest Bond movie ever made. In your opinion. In Obviously in my opinion, but I'm a, a huge fan and I really hope this has um, added weight to the argument that it's one of the greatest Bond films ever. It has, ever. but you don't get away that easily. There's one more section we have to go through, which you haven't prepared for. Can we quick just, fire questions. Can we just see how much i prepared? He has prepared a lot, Thank to be you. fair. He's done a lot of work, bless him. So here we go. This is going to be easy. It's going to be a breeze. Question number one. Mm-hmm. Who is the best Bond and what is the best Bond film? Pierce Brosnan is the best Bond. GoldenEye is the best Bond movie. Fact. Who is the worst Bond and what is the worst Bond film? The worst Bond movie is... Interesting one, actually. Because uh, I know I've been really, really down on Timothy Dalton, so I just don't know whether to pick The Living Daylights or License to Kill. I'm going to see the worst Bond movie... Yeah, I'm going to go... Timothy Dalton is my least... I'm not going to say he's the worst Bond. I'm going to say he's yeah. my least favourite Bond. Yeah. And I'm going to say... Licence to Kill. All right, uh, Living Daylights... Living Daylights at least still feels like a Bond movie. And I say this because Licence to Kill is not a bad film, but it is not a Bond movie. Okay, fine. Who would you have as James Bond next? Oh, wow. Um, well, on a good day, you know... Sometimes people say I look a little bit like Aidan Turner. So if Aidan Turner was Bond, that would probably help me out yeah. to, in, a, in a big scheme of things. So I'm going Aidan Turner on that one. Fair enough. You don't want to comment on whether I do or do not look like Aidan Turner? No. No, okay. No. Well, Poldock's been a real blessing for me until I take my T-shirt off. I'm glad you've having... Again, therapy. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this has all been revealed. Go on. Bond is full of stupid names like Money, Penny, Small Bone and Good Head. Hmm. Give me your best Bond lady name. That you've just thought of. <laughs> oh, no, because they've all been done. I mean, like, I, 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 the one that immediately pops into your head is Austin Powers, A, a Lot of Vagina, mm. which is a, a great name. But um, an original Bond lady name that's just popped into my head. Uh-huh. Uh, Chelsea Longstockings. Good. I'll take it. Okay, good. Give me your best Bond film title that you've just made up. Uh, the Fridge in the Water. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's mysterious. Right. Yeah. Uh, a hypothetical fist fight takes place between Simon Templer, the Saint, and James Bond 007. Who wins? Who's wait? But who's who? Well, it's up Does to it you. matter? It's up to you. Okay. Well, any Saint, any Bond. Uh, well, I'm going to go. I mean, well, 007 obviously wins the fight, especially because um, he's played by Big Big Daddy, the former UK wrestler, wrestling sensation, who un- wow. tragically killed a man in the ring. He did. Yeah. I don't know why you had to bring that up. Why you, so you are. the podcast on a real downer now. You've just accused <laughs> Big that... Daddy of being a murderer. No, accidentally. Um, yeah, I know, but he still murdered someone. But Reynolds, actually. But Reynolds. See, he was considered. He was considered for Bond. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I knew Sam Neill was, which surprised me. But yeah. Burt Reynolds. James Brolin, Burt Reynolds. So Burt Darren Reynolds. Gavin. I met Burt Reynolds at the World Stunt Awards, uh, which I, I was going to tell you this when you were talking about uh, the stuntman falling down the stairs. Oh, yeah. And Burt Reynolds was attending the World Stunt Awards. He was a former stuntman. I, so I grew up on Smoking the Bandit mm-hmm. and Cannibal Run, and mm-hmm. he's a legend yeah. to me. And I interviewed him at the World Stunt Awards, and obviously because like, I'm a massive Burt Reynolds fan, it went really well. And at the end of the interview, he was like, that was great, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It was a great interview. What's your name? I'm gonna remember you. And I was like, it's Alex Zane. And he's like, Alex Zane, great. Then completely by chance, the following day... 
I, I walked in with a friend of mine to a bar uh, on the Sunset Boulevard and Burt Reynolds was there. And I said to my friend, I was like, well, I kind of know Burt Reynolds. And my friend went, shut up. Do you fuck? Do you fucking know Burt Reynolds? I was like, look, if I go over, he'll know my name. And my friend was like, all right, I'm coming with you. So we walked over to Burt Reynolds' table and I was like, I'm really sorry to interrupt Burt, but um, I interviewed you just the other day. And Burt Reynolds looks up at me and goes, oh, that's right, Alan. Alan Zone. <laughs> um, I remember that forever now. Alan Zone. So a lot of breakthroughs coming through today. Yeah. So basically your answer would be that James Bond as Big Daddy would win. James Bond as Big Daddy would win, uh, yes, if, um, yeah. Okay, so finally, you're stranded on a desert island with all the Bonds, so Connery, Lazenby, Moore, Dalton, Brosnan and Craig. Mm. Who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt? And if it fails, who do you eat first? I'm going to put the rescue attempt in the hands of Craig because I think, you know, there needs to be a certain amount of physicality in organising a rescue attempt. He's definitely going to be the... He's probably the fittest Bond that's ever ever lived in terms of, like, genuine physicality. And then who do I eat first? Eat Lazenby. I just... Because I just think he'd taste good. Yeah. He looks... Do you know when you look at... Well, you probably don't because I don't think many people look at another human and go... I bet they taste good. Mm. But I think Lazenby would taste good. And also Brosnan, I, I just want to sit and chat with. So he goes last. Brilliant. Oh, no, I'd eat Connery first. Because if you still get off the island and people go, what happened? You go, and your one line is like, I ate Sean Connery. <laughs> that is the line you want to walk off a desert island with. Well, it's quite a, a last line to stick with. I ate Sean Connery. Alex Zane, thank you so much. Thank you for having for me. For appearing on this podcast. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Smash Pop. Great Pig.